And welcome to the boys of the Golden Throne. We've got AJ here. Hey, listeners. And the big John Short Shorts West. Hello. Sorry, that was racially insensitive. <laughs> <laughs> and it's already begun. <laughs> Uh, we are back. Um, I'm feeling a lot better, so I don't sound or look or act like a sack of potatoes. You were a little bit poopy last time, but uh, you 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 surprise every time you sing. You pe- you pep up. I do. I I do. I I get more pep in my step when I sing in my mouth. What you? <laughs> yeah. That came hot. out I wrong. <laughs> Uh, what are we talking about uh, this episode? We are well. We well, are talking we, about many we, what do we many have things happened to us just recently. Just recently, well, we're definitely going to be talking about CK Studios and how the three of us went and had an awesome weekend with Cat and Caleb, and you know, fill her up and. A whole bunch of our big Iron Warriors arrows. My new best friend, Greg, Greg. and cranky, cranky game gamer, and all of our boyfriends. It was a great weekend. (laughs) So we're going to talk about our wicked weekend, and obviously talk about our hobby shame progress. And uh, then we also have a little interview with the powerful David Komen. So it's just. uh, you know, it's going to be CK Studios with a, a sprinkle of Komen. And then we will Ooh. be coming back with our Bocce Tea update. Getting close, boys. I'm super stoked for it. And uh, then we'll be back to close out the show with hugs and kisses. Um, Lots of hugs and kisses. We yes. Will... <laughs> okay. We will be back. Our tutor, who art in Nottingham, Duncan be thy name. Our paints be thinned, our layers be smooth, on plastic as it is on resin. Give us this day our daily tip, and forgive us our poor edge highlighting. As we forgive those who bring unpainted armies, lead us not into math hammer, but fully closed armies. All praise, Nalnoil. And welcome back. Uh, I don't know what I put in as a transition sound, so I hope you enjoyed it regardless. <laughs> I'm sure they did. Um, I'll have to make some new ones, I think. We, do. Little... We, need to ma- we need to make up. Oh, yes. Yeah, because I'm sure everyone will love that. <laughs> make it like super loud. So when they're listening to the headphones, it just sounds like someone's just jerking off beside their head. Or we can add, maybe we should add that to the end, like after the toilet flush. Wouldn't it be before the toilet flush? Let's be honest. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, I'm just thinking it'd be easier to edit it onto the end. That's yes, it would be. <laughs> Your ass yeah. is making that noise. That's we need to see a doctor. No, no, not the ass. Yeah. Just like it's an easy cleanup if you do it that way. I no, that that's just like salivating. That's not, <laughs> that's not a that's not a bum sound. That's a I'm hungry. Oh, I know what you What's said. Some... Okay. <laughs> uh, just so, like yeah, licking your fingers got... really quickly. It's like eating corn, <laughs> corn on the cob. Right. 
sit after flushing the toilet. That's all. No, corn on the cob <laughs> is more like a typewriter. Okay, we we all grew up with with Disney cartoons. That's how they eat corn. That's how I eat corn. We can move on. Oh, you don't put it in your mouth and scrape it off with your <laughs> like a savage. <laughs> no, I I typewriter that shit. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> so we're gonna talk about our hobby and shame progress. Well. Because we all did the CK Studio classes, we're all going to have a little bit to talk about that. But yes. we're not going to. We're just going to talk about our experiences, not not what we no, learned. No, we're saving. Or, we're saving yeah, our we're saving ourselves. But we're just saving that for the main. Way. We'll just skip over. Like, yeah. hey, we all did the CK Studio class yeah. for two days, so now we can move on. <laughs> exactly. Now we can move on. But because of that, I think everybody went to the class was all just like super, just jacked hard oh, yeah. to start painting. So. The Monday I got home, or the Sunday I got home, I slept because I was still ill. But oh no, I got ill on the Monday. I can't remember. I was sick. You were you were definitely run down by the end of the weekend. I think we yeah. all were. I think it was the Tuesday. I got home and I've like all of my Empress Children tanks are like ninety percent. Ninety percent. Yeah. I have to wow. do a little bit of edge highlighting, and then... Uh, Why haven't like, we seen pictures of these? You're holding out on us. What's I've going been, on here? Because I fucking hammered it out, and then I got busy with life. So, I, one sec. I'll show you the Spartan so far. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to show us now. Don't show life. us now. So, all your tanks, just showing that you are the speed king. I am okay. So I did, uh, <laughs> And the same time, I also got all the base coats done for Terry's Sons of Horse Army. Oh yeah, okay. So that was two two contemptors, uh, a leviathan, about sixty infantry, and oh, a bunch of characters. I got all that right. base coat airbrush for him, as well. Um, and then I already started putting second layers of highlighting on all of my infantry as well. So Crazy. if I stay on track, I'll probably have my emperor's children done either by the end of July or the first weekend of August. Wow, dude. That's yeah. full on. You're making me feel like a chump. Um, and then with that, uh, I can concentrate 100% on the table I'm making. So, nice. I don't have to worry, so I'm not double tapping, double double dipping my efforts. Um, cool. With all that, uh, we talked about the last episode, uh, the ideas for the militia army. Yep. Well, uh, due to some fan support by Robert Ng... I, can't, I just use his name off Facebook. It might not be his actual name, but he knows okay. who he is. He showed me this website, uh, Anvil Industries, I think. And yeah. they literally had so the pieces that I needed to do. Like, they literally have, like, cyber and augmented shotguns. arms and legs and shotguns and everything. Sweet. That's so, awesome. And they had the dopest shotguns. And they have the dopest looking shotguns. So, like, the fact that I got that's all, that, all there and I can get it all started is, like, huge incentive. So... This militia army might go quicker than I was expecting. You got the mind stews going on. I got the mind the stews hard. <laughs> hard mind stewing right going on right now. Um, and so with that, yeah. Um, yeah, so with the militia army becoming, like, if I'm feeling aggressive enough, I get I get paid pretty quick here. It'll be, oh, so another new thing is I started a new business. This was our the secret the secret venture that we were talking about. Yeah, last so episode. I started a food truck with a friend of mine, and that has what been taking up a lot of my time because I was 
still working my old job, getting all that stuff set up, plus working a third job just for extra income. So that is now all I'm doing is the food truck, which is a massive like relief. So I've been having a lot more time, uh, which is awesome. That is food. awesome, man. What kind of food, food truck food. is it? Uh, tell, it's going to be gourmet hot dogs. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be delicious. Um, and then so... I can't wait to get a picture at a future event of your your hot dog truck outside oh. and like just Julian sitting on like a milk crate, just <laughs> sadly eating a hot dog, just, just hammering them, just double fisting <laughs> hot dogs. Yeah, two cocks. Some guy holding a sign next to him that says "No Julian," yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is a single tear running down his face while eating hot dogs. Yeah, yes, and Beautiful. so uh, yeah, the the food truck is is started going, and we're doing all these changes, and it's it's been a lot of work, but it's been a lot. It's been really uplifting for me. Um, but with that, like, it does allow me to have a lot more income and a lot more independence. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, depending on how this first little thing goes, if it's good enough, I might drop cash on this militia army at the end of the month. That's crazy. Yeah. You're a crazy, crazy man. Not the whole thing. I was talking to John earlier this today, maybe making a small ZM force for the for yeah. the flush. The shotguns oh, crazy. and stuff. Yeah, be because super- a lot of it, like, because it's a lot of sentinels and ogrins, and I realized I can't use the solar ox ogrins because they have a different stat line right well it has to be it's it's so funny we were talking about those crazy you know um the plague or like a whole bunch of that malicious stuff that we were talking about on the last episode now that it's up for last uh last chance so Maybe you could get a couple of those. Those would be dope. I yeah. still think those would be so dope. Those, those. I, I really like those solar auxilio ones. I would totally say like. But I have, but the reason getting those, they're pretty cool. Yeah. So what I'm gonna, I'm gonna just get used both normal bulgrins, but I'm gonna do some custom stuff on them. Give them like a big rebreather backpack, so a big like tank on their back and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. And do do little things like that. But with that, a lot of it I can buy at our local store, meaning I don't have yeah. to wait for shipping and things like that. So yeah, getting this started your, and going. Supporting your local hobby store, very yeah, important. I don't have to wait for shipping from Forge World or this new industry, uh, this this new company is from England, so I don't have, might not have to wait it too, too long. So, so I might get a small ZM force made for just to introduce it to the world. Because, I like sense. I said, just on the painting rampage I've been on, the Emperor's Children are going to be done so quickly. Do you, I should just give you some terrain to paint for the <laughs> event. <laughs> That's what I should do. Yeah. Go to t- paint that Mechanicum stuff that's at your house right now. The okay. I'll, I can, I'll finish painting all that then. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, so yeah, cool. so with, that, with the recommendation for the Militia Army, and I'm going to tweak the army a little bit more from what my original list because um, I totally forgot about those new tanks that the Militia got. Oh yeah, that'd be ones. perfect for them. Yeah, thematically, like they're they're like they look like they're sort of cheap and like smaller, more mass produced looking. Like they'd fit that theme really exactly. cool. And they're sort of like, too. Uh, yeah. And so yeah, it'll be cool to get that all all ready. And I would love to see if I can get that ready for the flush. If not, I'm gonna be definitely be ready for the next event. Sweet man. Um, yeah, just just tons going on. Just been super busy, but a little calmer now, but busy in a different way. Sweet. I, might, well, I might get a bot GT patch just put on the food truck. 
Yeah, absolutely. Good. <laughs> well, be... I've been I've been contemplating stickers lately, so yeah, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. But like, what does this mean? Don't worry about it. We need to get John's bald head incorporated into said logo, though. So, Eric, <laughs> throwing the gauntlet. <laughs> we should do like a silhouette of his, like, of just his short just shorts. Just a reflection in my head. The short, yeah, just no, <laughs> yeah, the short short or the powerful lean, just silhouette oh. in the background. <laughs> just a or not even show John. It's just, yeah, that's it. That's all we just incorporate the lean somewhere in the logo. Don't need to show his face. Just the goods. Just uh so that's been my hobby progress lately um just i when i when i you both know when i get on it i just go hard go on go on a tear man yeah, yeah. i was heard her speaking of someone that's also been on a tear post ck studio class and the meat of this section as always mr john short shorts what's going on you've been yeah. killing it we've had yeah. a lot of hot and heavy uh, uh Facebook messages going back in some high data pictures some, of close some high data porphyrion pictures. Well, the, yeah, yeah, that's the that's the most substantial thing. But I'll get into that. I think uh, more of the airbrushing thing because that's been pretty substantial. That that stuff that hasn't included the airbrush. I'm, try, I'm trying to think. It hasn't really been that much. Um, Are you I getting angry at the sounds of an airbrush? No, I'm more worried about my neighbors because I airbrush outside, oh, like okay. under my deck, and it's like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like the guy, the guy who lives upstairs. Like, I, I, I'm like under their deck, right? So I can see like their shadow, like when when it's like kind of like six o'clock, the sun is facing in such a way that I can see their shadows when they're standing over the deck, like yeah. out, like out, out front or whatever. You're just the troll, so just the see, painting troll see, underneath the deck. See this guy like trying to lean and look under the deck to oh, see what the noise is. Is that guy yeah, making no. meth down there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that'd be a natural assumption. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no. So I think um, most. Well, actually, okay. So I have gotten a little bit done, I guess, if you include building. So I did get a Mark IIb Land Raider and uh, actually may or may not have put together two Mark IIb Land Raiders and fixed up my uh, my uh, Achilles. So it's actually like a fully functioning, finally nice, nice looking Land Raider. It doesn't look all beat to crap anymore. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about that. I definitely just upgraded my Sons of Horus armor quite a bit. <laughs> Got like nice. Yeah, three Land Raiders will do that. Yeah, you have yeah, four in total, right? Plus a Spartan. Yes, I have four. Yeah, I thought I had five. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of Land Raiders. It's a lot so, of Land Raiders for sure. Almost Brian Camel level of Land Raiders, but I wouldn't try to take that. Um, <laughs> that uh, you know, it's so funny that when you play forty k. Two land raiders is just ludicrous amount, and in heresy, that's like it, an average. Totally. Well, it's funny because I remember like back in the day, playing Black Legion, and it's like the center of every one of my armies was like four Chaos Terminators, Abaddon, and a land raider. You know, that yeah. seems so badass back then. It's like I had one land raider, and that was it. 
And then I had this other crappy land raider that my buddy gave me, but I didn't really like to use it because it looked really bad. <laughs> so, like, sometimes I'd use that, but I'd always feel guilty because it just looked like it had been painted with house paint. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine going back to, like, 3rd edition and dropping a Spartan on the table and people would just shit bricks? Oh, <laughs> well, so here's the thing that's funny, dude. You know, uh, what was that event, Godicon? Yeah. I brought a Spartan to Godicon the first year that I went there. And I won, I believe it was three of my games I won. And the guy who was winning the tournament, he had Tau. And I had a Spartan, and no one, dude, everyone was just like, what the hell is that thing? It's a giant Land Raider, and it had Armored Ceramite, which back then was like this, this you know how you killed a Land Raider back then was with Melta. Yeah. So the thing was just indestructible, and this guy was playing Tau, and he just like, he did not have an answer for it. He literally had nothing that could even damage Armor 14. Unless it was like Melta. He was just like basically spent the whole game running from this thing. But it was so funny because 7th edition came out just after that. And then it was just like the most ludicrous shit the next year. It was just like <laughs> went from being like the Spartan being like the craziest thing you'd ever see on the table in, in 3k to like, oh, now you've got like Gargans and stuff. Anyways, big, big tangent. <laughs> we are good at that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I think other than that, uh, pretty much nothing aside from stuff that I've been airbrushing. Sweet. Well, yeah. we will we will get into that in a minute here. Um, for me, I, I don't have a whole lot. Um, you know, a lot of my time since we recorded was just like getting helping Kat and Caleb get ready for um, yeah. the course. Uh, did a bunch of running around and like set up on Friday. Well, you know, brought my TV and all that kind of stuff so yeah that was uh, pretty crazy i forgot i didn't even realize it's like you're like that's my tv (laughs) (laughs) yay they needed a tv i i'm happy to happy to oblige so um yeah i did obviously the ck studio course and um since then i built some um some of those riza pattern ruins um those new it's a train i guess they're about like four months old or whatever um little, uh, little ones little yeah ones. and then i added some um some bits from the city uh terrain on top so i like made them a little bit more building like um than just like a corner ruin um so those turned out well and i'm gonna start looking i'm just hunting for colors and trying to figure out how i'm gonna paint them but want to paint them for the uh, mechanicum stuff that I already have, so to kind of okay. go with that theme. Uh, but then I also like went through the rest of my uh, mechanicum sector or sector mechanicist uh, bits and built like two substantial like stacks, which I'm pretty j- jacked about. So got all that stuff base coated and it's ready for the airbrush once I figure out how I'm going to paint it. Um, <laughs> then I've been do- doing a lot of like just went through the terrain and from the last event figured out like what needs to be kind of touched up and stuff like that of the stuff that I have. Um, and then built two dread claws for the alpha Legion and scrubbed another one. It's like endless. Uh, the building them was actually pretty easy. Um, I was kind of a little bit worried about dread claws. Yeah, but it went yeah. super, super well for me. I think they're one of those kits that if you don't have a walkthrough video, it's going to be a lot harder. 
if you don't know what order to put them in. But once you know how to build them, they're not that bad. Yeah. Um, so I basically have all of I have them built with minus the claws because I need to order some more um, magnets because I want to magnetize all of them. So nice. I have one of those battle foam um, frays that fits like I think like eight or nine of them. Um, and so that way I'll be able to travel with uh, the army. I'll just have to get some battle foam troop trays for uh, for the Alpha Legion. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. And then, um, yeah, other than that, I've been working the past couple days pretty hard, uh, working on the player plaque for the flush and working it in the awesome. Horus Heresy sheets. And, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. I think I, I sent it to Eric, Iron Warriors Eric, as a you know, as a champ. So he gave it a look over. You've been given a look over. We we've got a, a special um, episode that's going to come out shortly. Hopefully in the next like three weeks, I would say. Um, a, and it's going to be like a little audio player pack for uh, the event. So we'll go through the narrative and go through everything and then we'll post up the player the official player pack so people can take a look at uh you know some of the the juicy stuff that's going on the special bullshit rules um so yeah pretty pretty stoked about that but uh other than that you know i did yeah I, well everything else is airbrushing so i'll save that for the next uh next segment so yeah i don't know a little bit of work on my my shame of getting two dread claws i got to I think, you know, the rest of them are going to be pretty easy to build. So I think I should have most of them built minus the claws, hopefully by the next time we record. And then I'm planning on just trying to bust those out all, like all six of them all in one go, plus the Dreadnought Drop Pod. So doing all seven of them at once. We'll see how that goes. But going to try to take a note out of Teo's... Uh, manual and try to do them full assembly like that so see how it goes but i believe uh, in you i believe in you i believe i can fly i believe i can touch the sky i think, think about, about you every night and day spread, spread my, my wings, wings and fly, fly away <laughs> yeah guys yeah, sorry, it just had to happen. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, I guess that's it for our hobby shame. So let's uh, let's kick this over to uh, our chat about CK Studios. Let's take a yeah. quick break and come on back. Come on down to Grand Lamarge. And welcome to the boys of the Golden Throne. We're here with David Komen. David Komen, yes. Special, our very special guest, friend of the show, the terrain manufacturing general, the king <laughs> of teas, the keeper of Garrow, the proprietor of Invested Painting and the Taking of Furyx. Yes, let's welcome back the powerful... David Komen. How's it going, man? <laughs> it, it's going. 
It's going well. I'm glad to see that I am still the man of many titles, but very, very little follow-through. <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. All of those are true statements in my in my books. <laughs> I'm going to let you finish, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man, I uh, wanted to have you back on and, you know, just had very successful Act 1, uh, Hubris of the Taking of Furix, and wanted yep. to just, like... Uh, hear how it went and uh see what's uh how things shaped up and where the narrative went and yeah give us uh why don't you give us a rundown of how how everything uh ran out gotcha well honestly like first and foremost it went uh obvious i mean you guys know from running events and, and that stuff that there's a lot of pressure there on game day when it's actually happening leading up to it but once the event starts as long as there's not you know a whole bunch of fires you have to put out yeah. Things are really good, and I have to say, overall, everything just went so well. Just absolutely fantastic, and I, I feel truly honored to have been able to meet everybody that was involved, the, the fantastic conglomeration of, of sponsors and characters that we had there at the event, because that was, that was probably the, the hands-down stealer of the show for the event was the people, the characters that were there. Everybody was, was great, wonderful personalities, great mentality, and just everybody came to the table, came to the event with the intention of having a good time and having a good time with their opponent rather than, you know, regardless of their opponent. And that, I think, really just shown for itself. Um, like, really, the atmosphere was the best part for me. Well, usually um, that's what it, it is for me as well. Like, if you, it sounds like you had a whole bunch of like-minded guys and that definitely <laughs> makes for a, a much easier event for sure. Oh, yeah. And then uh, we submitted, I sent out a survey after the fact. Uh, over half of the players filled it out and sent it back. So we did get a lot of positive feedback regarding the event. And uh, I, you know, I've got that all laid out. And I did this overly long, it was like an hour and a half live stream video on our Facebook page that people can still go and check out where I, I go incredibly over the top in depth into what our goals were, where I felt we succeeded, where I felt we, we missed the mark or have room for improvement, and then also delved uh, deeply into the survey results. In a, I read back all of the uh, open answer sections, and we had, basically, I, I'd read read a response somebody had, and then I'd, I'd have a, an actual conversation about that response. And it, It's a bit repetitious because of that fact, because a lot of you know, thoughts and feedback people had were along the same vein. And they, they were all valid critiques or criticisms that were there. And there wasn't there wasn't anyone who said anything along the lines of the event sucked or I didn't have any fun or I don't want to participate in it again, which I think was, was a really good testament for it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just it, it it's it's been it's been a, a thing. <laughs> well, it can yeah. you know, constructive cr criticism is a good thing in my mind. Like it just, oh, I, I've I've had a couple events where no one, you know, I asked for feedback at the end, and no one's really, you know, spoken up, especially our earlier events. But yeah, getting you know feedback is the only way that you can, you know, not the only way to improve things, but definitely it's the, the most effective way of improving. Yes, for sure. 100% agree with that. And just a shout out or, you know, recommendation for anybody who has gone to any event in their life and given crappy feedback, we're totally fine with you saying this sucked. Just say this sucked because and then a reason. Yes. Don't, I mean, 
avoid the personal attacks, preferably, because those really don't do anything except make us cry and eat more. But if you're <laughs> criticizing the event itself, give, give us some qualitative data. That way we can, we can work towards improving those issues. Yeah. And overall, I mean, when, when I set out to do this event and the, the entire event series that we're doing, I've, I've said multiple times that we have three primary pillars for every event that we run. We want to have a top-tier narrative. We want to have, uh, bar none, the top, most high-quality terrain at any event. And we also want to have a fantastic amount of swag and prize support. And <laughs> on all three of those counts, I feel that we, we hit the mark that we were wanting. Um, obviously, though, there were some, some uh, areas where we could still improve. There were, in fact, some terrain issues. Um, because uh, I'd spent so much... What? <laughs> well, yeah, okay, so here's the thing. If you've seen the photos... Uh, what you'll notice probably the first thing compared to a lot of other events is we had shit that was we had tables that had terrain that was like a foot to a foot and a half or two feet off the ground for over half of our tables. We had a startling amount of vertical space right. that was used. And okay. that was one of the comments that we got back is that unfortunately, just with the way the rules work, things like jet bike armies, we happen to have two of those. Um, they were able to just dominate on those boards versus, you know, foot slogging or tank armies where they're right. They did not have as as much of a capacity to to handle that. Yeah. Um, and some suggestions for how to improve that were uh, making house rules or stating, you know, what the vertical movement is rather than like a physical distance. Say, hey, you know, it's only like a two inch or a three inch move to go up up different levels, even if it's actually a six inch vertical move. Right. Um, the original plan to mitigate issues like that uh, sounded good in theory, but in practice it didn't seem to really work with folks because uh, we allowed everybody to bring as many pre-written lists as, as you wanted to the event. The mm -hmm. main thing was it had to be pre-written. You couldn't be sitting there, you know, making a list Tweaking, and starting yeah. around. But yeah. like, hypothetically, if you had if you had done early and you wanted to type up a new list and print it, yeah, you, you totally could have played that. But uh, unfortunately, I did not consider the fact that some folks were traveling quite a distance, some were carpooling, their their space was limited, so they would not be able to bring, you know, their full assortment of, of Marines and tanks and, you know, multiple options for their army. So most folks brought one or two, maybe three lists max. Yeah. Um, then also, uh, at the very end of day two, uh, the award ceremony and the prize draw, um, they I don't want to say it wasn't necessarily that they weren't organized well. The the prize drawing was definitely needed some improvement because it just took a long time. Everybody at the event, all 18 players, made it through the random draws like three times. So everybody walked away with like a minimum of two prizes. A lot of folks walked away with three. Wow, and plus your swag bag that yeah, every, everybody got looked the ridiculous. Swag bag. <laughs> but um, just there's 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 ways to improve that on an administrative level. Um, one thing I, I'm going to try at our next event, the Hadrian incursion, even though it's, it currently is shaping up to be a much smaller number where we're sitting at about eight or 10 players right now compared to the 18. Yeah. Um, but what we're going to try and do is at the end of day one, we're going to do some, some random draws for the prize support. And that way we can, we can help break things up. And there's pros and cons to that. Cause some folks don't want to be dragging that stuff around with them throughout the course of an event mm -hmm. but uh, you know on the other side of it you know it's either that or we have you know like an hour and a half at or either an hour or like you know 
45 minutes, something like that, at the end of day two, that, that does soak up a bit of your time. Yeah, that's how we're we're doing it. Of just, And it's always a crazy like rush at the end to get the scores all tabulated and do it all. But yeah, that's the the way that we've usually run our events but still how can you complain when you're walk walking away with a whole bunch of sweet sweet swag and also uh just another comment for myself and i've said it multiple times and i'll admit it again um my organization was not on point like i thought it was there were multiple prizes that i i had honestly i completely forgot i had put together or we had received to give away at the event Mm -hmm. um which, to a certain extent, that kind of pans out well because it gives us more that we can give away at um, Hadrian. Which, right. obje- objectively, it is a smaller scale event. The prize pool was not looking to be as remarkable as Act One. Um, but, for example, I had uh, my studio had purchased and framed eight prints um, with various artwork from different. Um, uh, Primark, wow. like the Primark novels and things like that. And I had those and I had them sitting in my bedroom completely. They were all stacked up. They're ready to go day of. And I was too busy doing everything else to even remember <laughs> to you... go in there and, and grab them and put them in, which was honestly probably a good thing because they're just, I have no idea where we would have put them. My truck was filled to capacity and my buddy's uh, Suburban was filled to the, well, yeah, it was. A, I think it's technically a suburban. That thing was filled to capacity. We could have put them in there, but they'd have slid around and busted by the time they got yeah. there. Well, that's going to be some sweet prizes for the next event, man. I wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't mind getting one of those. But uh, Well, I'm, I'm thinking if you guys can uh, hit me up after the fact, we can talk. I was, deba- I was thinking I might send one or two to your uh, event for you guys to give away. Ooh. Just, just because, we, we, like I said, we've got eight of them right now, and... I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to give every single person who's attending our event, a, you know, a framed, you know, print. But I, I want them to be a little more special. So I think spreading the love around would, would work a little bit better. Sweet. Well, that'd be awesome. Yeah, let's let's talk after the recording. Okay. Dropping just dropping gifts. Mm. I do what I can. Uh, <laughs> I'm, right now, I'm doing a uh, Porphyrian for the Loaded Dice podcast uh, for Andrew Legio. Big yeah. ups to, to Andrew. He's going to be uh, receiving that possibly in person. We'll see how that goes. Ooh. And then uh, I'm also doing one for the Iron Halo GT in, uh, I think it's, I can't remember if it's their, their, when the date is, if it's October or if it's September. But I'm doing one uh, for Jason Horn. He's uh, the one who runs all that. And we're also, he's the one that's hosting. Uh, I keep calling it the Iron Halo, but I think they're calling it the Iron Curtain because it's an Age of Sig. It's an Age of Sigmar and 30K event only, and I think they're keeping the Iron Halo itself as the 40K title. Uh, uh, but okay. he's the one that's hosting that in two weeks for the Hadrian Incursion. So I, I, I'm, I've done some stuff for him before. I did a Terran Knight that they gave away. I think it was last year. But I, I'm just I'm I'm a big fan of raffles and and giveaways when they go to a good a good you know a good charity or a good reason to for people to participate and to do the work. So. Uh, I just enjoy doing that, and I didn't do anything at the Flying Monkey this year because I've been spending so much time getting ready for Act One. But I, yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> like I'm painting going a mountain to... of terrain, a mountain, yeah. a little mountain. Where do you <laughs> store that all? Well, I could actually. I'll, I'll, you guys remind me after the podcast, and I'll, I'll show you. But 
I've got this room that I'm in, that's the workroom, and then the other room down here, because my workroom's in my basement, and it's basically the size of a bedroom. But then I've got like a living room style area down in the basement that I've got my game table and the couch and TV, and I've got uh, all of these totes stacked up underneath the gaming table, and then I've got <laughs> three metal racks that are filled uh, with some totes and uh, you know different things. I've got my display board on that. Um, some random terrain stuff that's not in cases, as well as Sound- like, all all of the uh, the table mats. Sounds like a powerful man cave. Yeah, it's like a very it, powerful man cave or it, man it, lounge. I lo- I like using that now. Man yeah, lounge instead. <laughs> it would be much more powerful if it wasn't in a crappy uh, apartment. Don't get me wrong. I love I love where I live, and I've lived here for three, four, or five years. It's been a while, and it's definitely home. But uh, it. Is, uh, everything is as nice as I can make it within the space limitations. I actually just got done. Uh, well, I say I, I'll say I just got done. It took about a week off of everything following the event. I didn't even bother to put shit away. It was just strung out around the house because I was just bagged. <laughs> I, like shell shocked, I think is the word. <laughs> the thing that would be the closest to it because it was just so much go 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 and all the adrenaline running all the time. And so much lack of sleep and extra hours put into things and, you know, focus on just focus divided between the craziness at work and then all the craziness painting stuff after work for the event. It just all kind of culminated that after the event was done, I was just like riding that euphoria for a couple days. And then it was just this dull numbness there. It's because you, you forgot how to relax. You're just like, what do I do now? I should be doing so much stuff. I don't that's need it, to paint terrain. And see, that's where you're wrong. Like painting is my relaxing, and that's I honestly I've been struggling uh, because I've been I've got forty Imperial Knights on the table to work through right now. Um, about half of them are commissioned. About the other half are mine for my new uh, Imperial Knight house. But uh, forty, forty. <laughs> yes, yes, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, I'm just just restating it a few times for. <laughs> Just at least, <laughs> at least they're not all in the same scheme. There's a variety of, of, of paint schemes that are going to be on them, but uh, no, just because I've been spending so much time working and building stuff, I, I haven't been painting, and that was really the thing. Like when I was busting out all that terrain for the event, none of the painting, except for like that last week where we were physically rushing around to get things done, and I have stuff divided up all over across multiple rooms. That that was. That actually started to drain me a little bit. But any time before that, when I was working on terrain pieces, I was going and it was like, okay, I'm doing all of this one thing. And I'd set it out and I'd go through it Just all. bang and through it. It was, it was fine. It was relaxing. It was good to actually see myself making progress and finishing things. And that's something I'm hoping I'm going to have some time to do next week. Work this week's just been too crazy. We're, we're too backlogged with claims and estimates to write, things like that. But next week, I, I would really like to have the time to go through the terrain that I've already done and start doing uh, the, you know, the little finite details, adding the posters that I've, I've wanted to add that, that are stained and you know, stripped and things falling off here and there. Nice. Just really the, the, the obnoxiously over-the-top stuff that did not need to be done for the first event. All right. Well, for for the for Act 1, like you talked about the narrative, what was ultimately the outcome and, and what happened with the narrative and how is that going to flow into Act 2? 
Well, Act Two or uh, the or the yeah, yeah. I, Sorry, I know what you're talking about. I'm yeah. I'm I'm realizing now that that my naming methodology leaves something to be desired, but <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it. So actually, I think it was genuinely the greatest possible outcome. Awesome. Um, at the end of day one, the traders were uh, controlling the shipyards of Canix Superior. Uh, the loyalists were controlling the maiden world of edicts, you know, and and the maiden world again, just as a, as a reminder, is uh, kind of the seat of aristocracy and power throughout the system. You know, air quotes power. Obviously, uh, the forge world of Ferex Prime is the source of power. They are the ones who control everything, and they're the ones who have given, you know, authority to these these politicians and aristocrats. So they've officially sanctioned them and, and given them. The power but you know that power is wide-reaching because the mechanicum itself is very it's very secluded it's very quiet they stick to themselves and you're realistically in the outer rim you're not likely to see any trace of the forge world which is one of the reasons it's it's so powerful because it's almost you know for for all intents and purposes the busy planets are the ones in the outer ring of the system and the inner portion of the system just doesn't seem like there's any reason to go in there. You've got an asteroid belt that you have to go through, and then you've got a massively irradiated area of planets that are basically just barren, dead worlds. And then you've yes. got a, a gaseous <laughs> field that's, you know, because of the binary star system, and, you know, the binary stars at the center, there's this constant gravitational pull that's condensing those corrosive gases and expanding them. So sometimes it's like trying to just, you, you could be flying through gas and then suddenly it's like you're encased in, in stone and it's eating away at your ship because the pressure is condensing the, you know, the corrosive nature of the gas. Um, so it's, that's, it, it's, that's metal, it's really, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really cool that, that it ended up this way. And then, uh, but anyways, that that was that was day one, and then uh, the both sides were fighting over the Dreadmires of Alcor, the our our Death World day one. But then fall on the fallout of day two, it ended up flip flopping a little bit. The loyalists were able to roust the traitors from their control of Canix Superior, and similarly, yeah. the traitors were able to usurp control of the Maiden World of Edicts. Both sides were still deadlocked over the Dreadmires of Alcor, so. Uh, that was what I was hoping for because I had potential narrative uh, tear-offs for each of them going awesome. forward, and the the Dreadmire definitely fits the the one that I'm the most excited about. So I think we're gonna it was good because we'll, we'll have better terrain, we're gonna have better narrative and better fun stuff that's gonna happen because I'm ex I, I'm way more excited about that one. But uh, the the main the primary fallout here is that the loyalists have secured. Uh, the shipyards of Canix Superior. They're retrofitting and repairing their fleet, as well as building an impromptu uh, fleet of ships using the ships that were there on planet that were either partially finished or you know they were already in orbit. You know, you're talking like commercial transports, you know, freighters, things like that are now being requisitioned. They're being retrofitted with guns. Some of them are basically like flying Dixie cups that are now carrying you know maybe a one shot turbo laser type thing. But, you know, they're doing what they can, preparing to push for further into the system. Now, as a counterpoint to that, the traders managed to, quote-unquote, save 
the aristocracy and the politicians from the uh, the aggression of the loyalists, you know, the aggression of the imp- uh, the emperor and his imperial dogs. And Filthy because spiders. of that, propaganda, uh, it's bullshit. Well, that's that's exactly <laughs> what it is. You know, this whole thing was originally set up as a trap by the traitors. They were having no luck bringing Felix to their side through political endeavors and, you know, negotiations. So they decided to use back alley dealings and tactics. They staged the entire event. Uh, they leaked the information to the loyalists because up to that point, loyalists weren't even really familiar with the Ferex system or knew that it was there because it was found by the traitors, by Horus during the crusade, just before he declared, you know, the before he actually, you know, initiated the heresy. So they leaked that information to the Loyalists. The Loyalists, in reaction, fired off their vanguard force to try and, you know, get there and secure the system before the traders could. Well, as soon as they show up in system, they start getting, you know, SOSs, maydays, you know, all sorts of, you know, reports of terror, you know, terroristic type shit going off on all of the Outer Ring planets. And they end up dividing their forces and send them out. And when, as soon as they, they land on, on each of those planets... They, you know, now there's actual attacks that are going on. Explosions are ripping out. People are being killed in mass, and it's it's all a traitorous plot to frame the loyalists for it. And it ended up working on on arguably the most important planet, the one where you've got all of the folks with political power, you know, the people with the money, the people with the reach, the people with control. And because of that, word is spreading to all of the outlying planets. You know, you've got research stations, you've got you know, planetary defense platforms. You have all of these different low-key areas that are now hearing about, you know, the traitor, you know, the, the, the you know, the aggression of the Imperials, whether, you know, and it's, you know, regardless if it's true or false, they're, they're now being fed this narrative. And now they're jumping, you know, you're not everybody, obviously, because a lot of folks in the system were like they didn't want to fuck, they didn't want to deal with the Imperium anyways. Some of them didn't even realize that the Imperium was a thing, and some of them are just you know they're like, well, we're going to continue mining on this facility because we've been doing it for you know twelve generations, and nothing ever matters. We've you know we had we've had uprisings, we've had revolts, and we're just going to keep plugging away at stuff. So it's that one specifically is playing into uh, the Hadrian incursion because. Uh, the traders are actually going to have a significant foothold at Hadrian, um, just because the the leadership there is 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 still loyal to the existing hierarchy of power within the system. It's really cool, man. Like I, I love how you built built like such a deep narrative to it. You know, that's very cool. The loyalists can do it though; they'll they'll kick those dirty traders out. I'm <laughs> well, sure. Well, we will see what happens, but. Uh, the nice thing is that moving forward, the way that the way that I've designed the the system and the narrative to move forward, and again, this is all air quotes. The nice thing, as long as it actually works, it's great. But you know, no no plan typically survives you know initial contact with the enemy. So we'll see what happens when players get their hands on it. But um, so you're calling your players the enemy? <laughs> I, am call, I am calling my players the enemy to the narrative that I I have in my head because. Okay. If, if they'd play it exactly the way I told them to and I wanted them to, it'd be great, but it'd be boring. So I have to I have to accept that, you know, I, I'm, I can't have things my way, goddammit. <laughs> you can't have those but, uh, things. The other thing that is really nice about this, um, 
again, because we've we've got that division there at the Dread Myers of Alcor, it gives us a lot of opportunities for me to go into some of the seedier, crazier stuff. And the next of uh, the next work in progress um, uh, incursion level event we have is going to. The best way I can describe it is it's going to be much more of a horror novel theme, if you can really think about it, uh, because this is this is already like a planet from your fucking nightmares, because it is it is a death world. It's it's a primordial world where like the seeds of life are, are still there and abundant, and it's been there for millennia, and you've got creatures that have been there. And evolving to survive in this harsh environment for millennia. This is this is literally the kind of planet that, you know, it's 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 notable to the point that it's an old wives' tale. It's a story that folks tell their children to make them behave. It's it's like a physical representation of hell that people don't. A lot of people don't actually give it the thought to realize this is an actual place that is. With with the technology available in the system, it's like a stone's throw away from any any given world. And uh, the working title for it at this point, and I, again, I, I have this thing with naming conventions. I really like giving things crazy names and and whatnot. So it's probably going to be a little bit long. Uh, but the working title for the the next incursion level event is going to be uh, the sequestration protocol incursion at research station Lazarus. That Whoa. sounds like a venereal disease. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that. Because you can get a venereal disease from it? Well, you could. Well, if you're lucky. <laughs> uh, sequestration is a... Uh, I'm trying to think. Not an analogous... Well, I guess, yeah, it's an analogous word for quarantine. It just sounds fancier. Oh, okay. So that makes sense, then. Yeah. And then if you consider, you know, what Lazarus traditionally has stood for and meant, you start to get of, of what may or may not be going down. Bow, bow, bow. Very cool, man. Oh, also, um, there's some really cool miniatures that I've been looking at getting that are going to play a role in this. Oh, and... doing like points of interest and things like that? or Yeah, the, you, you can say that. You can, you, you can say that. All right, all right, very me, cool. Do you me, have uh, dates set up for uh, for the next? No, 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 no. There's okay. there's no dates for this one set up yet. It's it's all strictly a a mind stew right now. Yeah, it's it's all just being you know it's headcanon. I guess is the best way to describe it here. I'll <laughs> I'll screen cap really quick because you guys can see this. These are this is one of the models that I'm planning on uh, showing you. Whoa, yeah. That's so we're gonna have some stuff great like, radio, but <laughs> we're gonna have some, some stuff like this kicking around planet side to uh, give you a reason uh, to care. <laughs> Crazy. I hope right. that ne- I hope that next one, the Bioshock Big Daddy, isn't rule number thirty-four. Oh God! Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> oh, but speaking of of Big Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great transition right there. No, uh, there's actually a conversion <laughs> that somebody else did uh, using one of the turrets from... I'm trying to remember what the darn things are called. 
I'll have to send you guys that picture later because you're right. It's great radio for me to go looking for it right now. But uh, <laughs> they use the turret armor from one of the Karadron Overlord uh, ships. Okay. And it's got a bunch of, of circular, like, basically they're viewports all over it. But you use that bit and you, you flip it around, you put it together the way you're not supposed to, and you mount it on there. And it looks like a big daddy head. Like, it is, it is freaking perfect. I, sh I kid you not, it's perfect. And the guy did it on a Lancer. I think, no, he actually, he actually used an Atropo, but he converted it to a Lancer, and he also custom sculpted a Trident for it. And it looked, a Trident? That's crazy. Yeah, and he, okay. he, called, he called it the Fisher King, and it looks amazing. It's honestly one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And now, now I, I said I wasn't going to look for it. Now I'm sitting here looking for it. I <laughs> well, um, so I can show you right now, and then I'll continue with my my tale. My tale. Of <laughs> Your tale. Amazement. Tales of enjoy. Oh my God, that's dope. Right. That is an under the sea atropos of tentacle doom. That is crazy. Yeah, it looks amazing. And I cannot wait to... It's almost um, got like a little bit of a Nurgle look going yeah, on with those eyes. Yeah, it almost does. And I, I cannot wait to um, co-opt that aspect of his design strategy. Um, I may even end up uh, co-opting a little bit of that Trident design. But uh, either way, it definitely fits for what I'm going for with uh, my subnautical-themed Forge World that I'm doing and my, you know, the Knights accompanied with that. Very cool. I want. I can't wait to see pictures of that when you start painting that theme. That's gonna be awesome, man. Thanks, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's that's pretty much it for really you know the, the outcome of the event. Uh, obviously, the the Hadron incursion is August fourth and fifth, Bartlesville, Oklahoma, at On the Rock Ministries. Um, it's it's a great time. Even if even if you're not gonna be playing. Stop by, ha say hi to the folks there. They're great people. I realize it's going to be a bit of a trip for you guys, so if you come, I'd hope you'd play. <laughs> one day we'll come to one of your events. Yes, absolutely. You I'm, still, I'm still recovering from a wedding, so. <laughs> oh, boo-hoo. You're going to be recovering from that until you die. <laughs> oh, no, I have somebody that legally has to take care of me when I'm sick. Oh, it's so awful. Yes. <laughs> they don't have to. <laughs> no, 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 no. Le legally, through sickness and in health, they have to take care of you, but there's no quali qualifier that says how well they have to care for you. Some people have terrible bedside manner. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Um, well, one thing I, I was wondering about is that, and you kind of went into this a little bit um, earlier, is, um, you know, as this was your first event, running it as an event organizer, and now that you've got it under your belt, like, is there any changes that you're going to make to, like, your approach for Act 2? There's there's definitely a lot of things that were, were go well, okay, I, I say we because I consider it to be like a communal thing, so I'm going to continue to say that. The royal we, we, yes. Yeah, the royal we are going to be working towards uh, always trying to maximize the amount of interest and the amount of satisfaction people have with an event. Obviously, you're never going to be able to make everybody happy. Everybody has different expectations of what they want out of an event. And everyone, like, no, you can put 100 people in a room and not every single person is going to prioritize 
you know, everything equally or care about, you know, that mission or that narrative more than something else. So uh, the number one thing we're doing is listening to the survey feedback. Um, uh, we're we're going to take that stuff to heart. So actually having uh, reference sheets for the terrain on each table so people have, you know, they can know what the environment tables are when we're using those as well. People can right. tell, you know, what the record, like either how the terrain was designed to be used or, you know, recommendations for what, hey, we would suggest that you you use this when in dealing with this terrain. Right. This, that, or the other. Um, and then, honestly, finishing up some of the terrain because there were a couple things that I forgot to do, like the oil rigs. I completely forgot to stick the damn ladders on the legs. And I had them with me. I was going to do it as we were setting things up. And I kept picking them up and moving them around, and I never really thought about actually putting them on. So that was that was a ball that I personally dropped, and I do apologize to you know our attendees for that. It didn't make a huge bit of difference because it was very obvious where there were supposed to be ladders, but still it was a okay. This is a dark bronze tower, you know, for a, a leg on an oil rig, and the platforms themselves are like a, a dark steel that's rusted up, and then you've got yellow railings. If you would have actually had these brightly colored yellow ladders that were running up and down you would have noticed it and it, it wouldn't have even been a question in your head it would have been like oh okay that's that's one of the ways to get up okay cool that's um i never also, really thought of of like yeah color coding the terrain like that that's a interesting that was that was something in the survey that was brought up um no that's just something that i'd already done previously like all of all of the railings were yellow and all of our ladders were yellow so okay. essentially, any it, it, the standard hazard style striping effect without yep. you know doing a whole lot of color variance there. It helped tie everything together: the oil rigs, the overhead pipes. You know, some of our, our like static it was all pipes. manufactured by the same people. Yeah, yeah, and even the one like that was the nice thing about it is even the the pieces of terrain that were physically made from different manufacturers because we used common colors and tied them in together. It, they looked great together. Like realistically, you wouldn't be able to tell that one of those tables had like five different manufacturers' terrain on it. It all just goes together really well. Um, and then, uh, like I had already mentioned, you know, we're going to try something different with the prize support. We're going to try. Uh, I think I'm going to do something with that where instead of doing the random number draw at at the time, I'll go ahead and put everybody's name in a list, assign them a number. And then use spreadsheets to randomize the number order. And then I'll, I'll just have an order of, of, hey, all of these prizes are laid out. I'm going to number them one to whenever we're done. And then I'll just, you know, okay, for, we'll, we'll, we'll have that order set out. And then we're going to randomize the player count. Okay, so who gets prize number one? Okay, number nine. Number nine is X person. Okay, who gets prize number two? Oh, person number 12. Okay, it's this person. And in that way, it's random. But I can I can do that and, and structure that and watch it myself and do that while the rounds are going on rather than having to, OK, everybody, you know, line up, you know, one through 12. And then, I'll, OK, random number generator on my phone. Oh, OK, we got the same number. Oh, we got the same number. Oh, this person's already got something this round, you know, that kind of stuff, which happened at the at act one, which did slow it down significantly. OK. And then I'm trying to think because I got all this stuff written down, but. I, I was not quite as prepared for the podcast tonight as I thought I was. No, I no, no, no. Don't I worry. We're just, I made we're the mistake of laying down and taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, we want you well rested. That's 
That's very important. Oh, um, Beauty sleep other, is very important. The other two, probably, I would say the two biggest critiques we received was, number one, the pairing system. Um, some folks did have to play the same uh, person uh, uh, more than once. And that's something that should not physically have happened with an 18-player event of five rounds. No. So that was that was a failure on my part. And uh, once my uh, I had somebody else there who was taking photos for me, um, and uh, Elaine Yates, and she has her own photography studio, and she did she does great work. But uh, she also her husband and her run several businesses. They helped co-found uh, a game shop. Um, somewhat locally to Wichita over in McPherson. It's like maybe uh, an hour or 45 minutes away, something like that. It's not terribly far, but uh, she's helped them with structuring tournaments and running things before. So she actually showed me a methodology for doing the pairing system, which is so much easier when I actually see somebody else who knows what the hell they're doing because it's very simple to lay it out switch it around and do this and this and this and you've easily got five rounds of pairings right away that there are no overlap and everybody's playing something different now again the problem with that some folks didn't like the pairing system specifically because there were times that they had to play someone that they just did not stand a chance against and again that was an oversight on my part because i had assumed that by allowing everyone to have you know, an infinite number of lists, people would have, you know, come prepared. But then again, I did not consider the fact that there are some people that just have, you know, this is their list. That's what they yeah, got. Yeah, it's their one, play. one army. They yep. They don't have, you know, any anything else they can do with it. And one thing I will say that uh, kind of ties both of those things together, we had our, our two MVPs, most valuable players, they, they scored the most points for each of their sides, um, through game points, hobby score, and actual um, uh, preferred enemy votes. You know, uh, the voting system we use for each side got to vote for, you know, their favorite opponent. You're right. Yep. Yeah. And uh, those folks both ended up having, we had a Loyalist White Scars Jet Bike Army. We had a Traders uh, Alpha Legion Jet Bike Army. And though that goes hand in hand with, you know, the critiques that we received about the terrain because it was beautiful terrain, but there, there were just some things we did not think about. We did not plan for. And then, uh, the other main concern or main critique that I got were the missions overall missions were, were received very well. There were some things that, uh, we did not catch when we'd originally wrote the missions. Um, one thing that was pointed out was mission number three, uh, not number three, number four, and number five. Number five, I will be the first person to admit, um, structurally, I tried to design the mission for a narrative feel, and it did not stick the landing in actual gameplay, because essentially, mission four, at the end of, at the end of day one, we figured out who was controlling which planets. Start of day two on mission four, uh, we had whoever was controlling that planet, those players were the defenders, and the tables were rearranged to where there was a defensive position that they had to pull. And then there was like five, three or four optional objectives that were spread around the board for secondaries. And the way that the, the, the narrative was structured there was that you, you won if you controlled the, the defensive position, basically the castle. We'll just call it a castle. Uh, if, you, if you were the attacker, you could only win by forcing the opponent off of that objective. 
It didn't matter if you had the secondaries. They just scored you more points for your side. But game-wise, you had to secure that castle. You had to either force them off or you had, if you're the defender, you had to control it and not lose. Um, and that was that was narratively driven because you're you're already, you know, you're in place. You've got that. You're securing it. Whoever the attacker is, that's their one goal. Push you off. And if they don't push you off, then in the next mission, mission five, one side was retreating and trying to get off of, off the board edge of the opponent, and the other side was defending. So if you did, if you were defending in mission four, and you did not get pushed off, you were then basically defender in mission five. If you were an attacker in mission four, and you were able to, you know, push the defender off the position, yeah. then in mission five. You were now the defender, and the previous owner of that castle was now trying to get off the board. And I realize me saying that out loud is is you guys you guys get it. But I, I get it. I, I'm talking in circles here, and some people are going to be like, "Wait a minute!" But the, the long and short of it was the last mission did not work well with the whole having to get off board edges. The first thing that was brought up to me before the event even happened, and we were able to make rules for that. What about drop pot armies? What about deep striking armies? They could just deep strike in. You know, within an inch of the table edge, drop the guys out. Next turn, oh, they're all removed from the board. They win. You know, right. They, they, they effectively, because they get all their guys off. So we said that you couldn't deep strike within 24 inches of the, the opposing board edge, which helped mitigate that to an extent. But then you had, jet again, jet bike armies that could just go, and you're you know, done. They were off the board, <laughs> and it didn't, it didn't matter. So there were certain armies well, that's that... narratively what they do. So it's not, it's not like it's against why their jet bike or jet bikes exist yeah and and i i agree with you there that it it the missions were all structured very well for the narrative side but there is a level of consideration that has to be given to the players and even even though this is game five over two days and they're probably tired and ready to get you know get over with it and you know start heading home that's not necessarily a reason to just kind of you know give them a gimme on that last mission like in in retrospect it would have been so much simpler if i would have given them an objective that they placed on the board and within you know a 24 inch radius of it or something like that maybe a 12 inch radius of it at the end of turn five anything that was inside of there or maybe let's say like starting turn three you start rolling for any of your units that are inside of there and you know on a five six those units get extracted and then at the end of turn five Anything that's inside of there it immediately gets extracted. It would have it would have worked functionally better because it would have kept both players more engaged rather than oh I'm just gonna haul ass across the board and my stuff's removed. Right. And then uh, kind of the same thing with 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 game four with the castle you know attack and defense situation. Uh, it was confusing for some people. Some people just didn't understand why there were even secondaries at that point. Um, because you could only win if you were controlling the objective. Like if you if you were the attacker and you were pushing for that the castle, if you and and the defender were both you know sitting with control of it at the end of the, at the end of the game or fighting for control over it, the attacker still lost because they didn't physically control it. And that again fits with the narrative, but structurally the missions weren't explained well enough in order to to make those points across. Um, and, and that's something that we were originally going to mitigate by having uh, 
videos where we were going to do leading up to the event where we'd show a top-down view of some of the different table designs and actually walk through setup and deployment and how some of the missions work. And the idea was to give the packets out and there'd be like a UPC code or whatever it's yep. called where you can just scan it and it takes you to the video and have like these short little three to five minute videos that you and your opponent could both watch at the start of the round that if you didn't know how the mission went, you could just watch it, see how it plays, and then, okay, we both know we can move on with it. And it just it didn't end up happening for, for multiple reasons, just too much stuff to do. And that's something we're going to rectify going forward. Probably not going to have those for the Hadrian incursion, but going forward, we're definitely going to have those for our, our, our major events. And once we get a format figured out, because the biggest challenge was we just didn't have the tables done. But now that the tables are done, I just yeah. have to get get the camera rig set up and we should be able to manage that without a problem very cool man well i only ask because you know um i think it's really good for i think there's a lot of people out there maybe on the fence about hey should i run an event and i think any you know hearing good feedback about what you know you can do better for a future event helps everyone helps us so (laughs) yeah i think it's it's good to uh to share that so yeah it sounds like you know act two is gonna be awesome and continue the narrative and you've got your brain stew of potentially what the the next incursion is gonna be and um yeah i I look forward to seeing what what else is coming out of the taking of ferrix and invested painting (laughs) so maybe i know you we gotta let you go because you gotta you gotta run but do you have any uh any more shout outs or anything? I know we, we talked about uh, when Act Two is. It's August 4th and, and 5th, correct? In Bartlesville, yes. yep. uh, Oklahoma. So, and you can get tickets for that uh, through uh, the Best Coast Pairings app, right? Yes, sir, you can. Uh, I think there's a link to it directly if you go to the Iron Halo uh, website. And I think it's just ironhalo.org. Or ironhalo.com. Either way, they've got a Facebook group. That's the best way to go because there's links there that go directly to it. Um, and Jason Horn does a great job of uploading photos and uh, you know timeline time lapse videos of different things that he's doing. And he's a madman. He's 3D printing so much stuff for his event series, for his excuse me, for his 40K series. And uh, I think he's actually done some stuff as well for the Age of Sigmar guys. It just he's a great guy. And he puts in a lot of effort for his events. And he was one of the biggest inspirations for me when it came to wanting to run my own event. Um, and uh, really, it, I, I, honestly, the only other shout-outs I want to give, a uh, big shout-out to all of the people who helped and made this event possible. I want to I want to thank my, my buddy Chris Glass, my buddy Joe Wagner, um, my girlfriend Hannah Selman. Um, all of them have helped me Hannah with... Banana? Yeah, Hannah Banana. <laughs> She's all of them. All of them helped me getting stuff painted um, when it came down to it. Um, Hannah actually helped with the MDF stuff uh, over nice. the summer. She was she had some dead time before she was going to Colorado uh, to do some. She's teaching at a summer camp there, teaching sculpture. And in in her time before she left, she was she was actually sitting either in my basement or sitting at home. Uh, filing down MDF kits for me, getting them ready for me to build and paint them. And that saved me so much time. And then my buddy Chris Glass and Joe Wagner both helped me with uh, some of the sponge weathering on the yellow railings uh, and different parts like that before I had them. Or, yeah, when we were basically the finishing touches on some of the terrain. 
Uh, my buddy uh, Ralph also, he uh, actually saved me a bunch of time because I was struggling to get uh, my airbrush to work a couple nights and I needed to paint those railings yellow so that those guys who were coming the ne- you know the next couple the days next were going to be able yeah. to actually sponge them. And, and he was nice enough to go ahead and just spray those down for me. Um, my buddy Will, he came up from Oklahoma and I taught him how to airbrush and he also uh, brought me like five or six rattle cans of Avalon Sunset, which ended up saving oh, wow. me a lot of time anyways, which is great. Just so many different people. Uh, Mike Brockman was kind enough. He brought his Zone Mortalis board to the event. Um, mine was not finished painted. Um, his was not painted uh, either. I mean, I believe it was base coated. But uh, it wasn't it wasn't a finished product, but it looked way better than if I would have brought mine where half of the tiles are actually partially painted, half mm-hmm. of them are primed, and then somehow there's another half, even though that doesn't really fit, that just there's nothing done to them. It just okay. it would it would have been a mess. And it was yeah. one one thing that I just could not get done before the actual event. And uh, obviously thank you to the Flying Monkey crew, um, uh, Matt, Brian, Duncan. Um, there's other folks that were there. I, I, those, those three are kind of like the, the brain children, the brain trust of the event currently. And I don't want to, I mean, I mean no disrespect or belittlement to the other guys that are part of the crew that were helping, but it's just those, those guys are the ones who are, who are spearheading it. And they're the ones whose names I actually remember off the top of my head. So. <laughs> All right on, man. I'm no obvious. love for Garo though. Well, Garo, he's, he's been a little shit lately. We'll just say oh. that. <laughs> I, 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 I love him indefinitely and my thanks to my parents for watching him while i was actually at the event hosting everything but uh no just it thanks to our sponsors we had so many folks who who showed an amazing amount of love for our event and for my crazy idea and you know uh, hammerhead games they gave us everybody they they just uh, he gave us all of his remaining um templates for our event that we could stick in our uh swag bags so everybody ended up getting if you haven't seen his templates, go look at them. They're all I've in seen, one template. They're them, all in yeah. one. So you, it's got the flamer design on it, and then it's also got the large blast and the small blast. It's yeah. it works so stinking well. And I I I'd seen something like that a long time ago, and I was like, that's that just dumb. And then you actually see people playing with it, and you're like, man, I am so glad we had those. <laughs> oh, that was one other thing I totally forgot to tell folks. Uh, I needed to be better about going over the swag bags when people were registering. A lot of people didn't realize there was a dog tag that you could use at the event oh. that modified what you could do. Gotcha. And, uh, that's something you can use for those listening. You can use that at act at all of the sequential events for the series. Um, I just ask, or it's recommended that you use them with the army that actually, you know, got you that honor it. by yeah. playing playing it at that event. I, I hesitate to use the word "won it with," but. You know what I mean? I mean, it's it, yeah. try and attach it to that one. That way, like, hey, I played Death Guard at the first event, but I just finished, you know, up these Ultramarines. I want to play at the next event, but my buddy doesn't have an army. I'll let him play the Death Guard, and he gets to use the dog tag. Yeah. And <laughs> you, you keep it. You get to use it at every event. You don't have to turn it in or anything silly like that. It's yours to keep. Um, and it's just, it's just a nice, fun little thing to do. Yeah, we do the same thing. And, and Teo now would, like, wears his out in public. Like just, nice. it's part of his wardrobe yeah. now. Yeah, I tie. I like to tie if I'm wearing like blacks, grays, or mm-hmm. blues. I'll use the silver of it to tie in like a watch or a belt buckle, or my shoes. It's very, very fashion sense. 
Yeah. He's wearing a shirt for you. Like that's a big that's a big deal. It's an LVO shirt, it doesn't count. Okay, well. <laughs> if it doesn't count, then take it. Yeah, there we oh, go. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. <laughs> there you go. There you go, buddy. <laughs> Hot nip action. What? Thanks, guys. Now I got to go change. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, as always, it's awesome to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on and giving us a little rundown of the event. And uh, I'm sure we'll, the dear listeners will soon hear some more uh, stuff out of invested painting and the bot gt so I'm very excited Ooh. about that Ooh. what Looking is it? Forward to it guys hey like seriously you you're great people i love working with you and one of these days i'm going to make it up there as well so i may i don't know if i'll play at an event but maybe i'll, I'll come up there and paint some terrain while you guys are playing <laughs> you can just get drunk with us yeah you can just be the hype man man and Dr- <laughs> drunken hype man absolutely <laughs> All right, man. Well, you have to bring Garo if if that happens. That's okay, I'll see it. I'll see if I can smuggle him across that border. Yeah. <laughs> just to, say that to see he's a purse or something like that. You know. I'll, I'll just. I'll just. I have to create like a life-size human dummy that he's just sitting there with a hat over his face. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we. I'm sure we will. Uh, we'll talk soon and. Uh, yeah, it was once you have uh, more information about Act uh, 3, pass it along, and we'll have to have you on and hear about uh, what happened with uh, the Hadrian incursion. Sounds great, guys. All right, have a good night, man. Peace, right, love, and too. chicken grease. Love you guys. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> some love so that was the song i was singing to john the whole time while we did the next segment our ck studios class <laughs> <laughs> it was quite scary it just like you're not scary just it was disturbing. a part you could say erotic it's okay it was and yeah it was erotic <laughs> just occasionally you know deep in deep in concentration trying to airbrush looking at some like you know detail spraying and then suddenly Teo would be right beside you like ooh you touch my and you do it I'm not going to try to do it ooh, you, you touch my dralala <laughs> <laughs> yes so uh yeah people well, uh, better in person so, <laughs> you guys have to experience the live version it's like so much better hey live <laughs> is always better but uh yeah, we had a great a great weekend. Like, um, you know, it, uh, as you can, t- as you know from just listening to us, I think some of the people in the course weren't ready for the Butchy T crew that were. Oh, in oh yeah, I, some people were. I know that Cat and Caleb were just like super stoked and had a great time, and like you just singing up in the front row, Teo, like <laughs> just. <laughs> cat totally egging you on to sing more by the end of sunday it was just like no no holds bar <laughs> might as well be in a karaoke karaoke spot i but... do believe i sang almost all of ushers you remind me <laughs> that's from when you had your headphones on yeah and just like yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, it was uh, an amazing turnout. Like we uh, let's let's start from the beginning. So, yeah, Kat and Caleb flew in. Uh, Caleb <laughs> had some issues at the airport or I get a, <laughs> a text message and just be like, so I got to the airport and realized I didn't have my passport. So he had to drive two hours back home and then turn around. So they ended up being a little bit delayed, but got in, uh, in the late afternoon and came over, met me at my place and we loaded it up the cars and headed over to the the space and we had a awesome crew of guys there teo you were there with like thank god you have a beard now i just realized this like there's teo like shaves his beard and like i didn't even recognize him when he he first walked into the school uh but thank you for growing it back so many people were so shocked by by your appearance there it was slightly offensive yeah um, but yeah, uh, fill her up and Kalis, uh, were there to help out and, uh, it was, you know, made things really easy getting the classroom all set up before, uh, before we left. And then we, uh, went down to moon underwater and it just, it, oh, yeah. Teo, let me set the scene. So Teo was like still feeling pretty sick. It was like right after, you know, still a couple days after we recorded the last episode and still feeling poopy and didn't have his usual Teo energy. So we go, you know, we finish finish setting up and it, it, we're like an hour and a half late leaving for at least when Teo wanted to leave. And he's so hungry and so poopy. And we walk it into Moon Underwater and it just so happened to be music bin- bingo night. And it was 90s, right? Yeah, 90s. Yeah, 90s. Bin- bingo. And like Teo just like... You could just see him, like, you know, his heart grew five sizes bigger and just, like, was instantly cured. And the whole time just, like, singing away at the bar and having a great old time. I really think that you would have done a much better job being the announcer than that woman that was there. Oh, probably. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we totally didn't realize it was that. And <laughs> had a, a fun little uh, dinner with Cat and Caleb and... Uh, a few other people, and I was uh, surprised how many songs Caleb remi- was reminded of. Yeah, <laughs> and like the all of like the dance club hits as well. So I'm thinking Caleb used to do some uh, some hard partying when he was younger. Hard partying, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And well, Ezra Ezra was there as well, helped to set up, and yeah, both both uh, well, Caleb as well. He every it seemed like every song he was coming over to you and being like, what song is this? <laughs> <laughs> and those two guys that we just met joined yeah. us. So they got yep. the full Teo experience. Yes, they did. Absolutely. Ron and <laughs> Matt. Mike. Mark. 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 Yeah. I believe it's Mark. Just Shit. a couple of Terrible. studs looking for some Teo action. Yeah, dudes looking for dudes. So yeah, good start to the to the weekend and then it was off to the races on saturday morning you know got i think what, what we got there at eight o'clock and uh class started at nine and um you know went through the the typical ck studios class for their 101 class so we were um painting the the contempt of dreadnought and uh, most of the you know the early morning is learning about a lot of color theory 
and cleaning your airbrush and then more getting into the actual airbrushing in the afternoon. But, um, you know, I, maybe we can just do a little round table from here. Cause I think we've got, you know, Teo, you've done a lot of airbrushing beforehand. I've done the course before, but, and, you know, not had tons of experience with an airbrush, but I've definitely used one. And John, other than, you know, briefly using it at my house, you've had, you know, no experience with an airbrush. So I think it'd be interesting to for each one of us to kind of talk about their experience and what they got out of it. So maybe, I don't know, John, maybe I'll, we, we can start with you because you are, you've never used an airbrush before and, you know, judging yeah. by your, your furious pace post <laughs> or a week out from the, the course now and you've been like just pounding stuff out. So seriously masturbating. <laughs> uh yeah so like tell us how you thought as a, a person that you know never airbrushed before you know what was yeah. your experience um yeah it was pretty cool um obviously it's kind of weird because it's like i don't know you know i can't go back and say like well how quickly would i've learned if i hadn't done the course because i just don't know right but um I definitely was like when we started the first day, I was so inept with that freaking thing. Like I was so bad and I felt like really intimidated by it. Yeah. It was like, Oh God, I can't control this. Like I'm like too close. I'm too far. Part of it I think too is the way that they teach you is like intended to sort of put you in a slightly, maybe slightly more technical and difficult situations to begin with. Maybe so that when you progress on, you'll sort of, um, know how much better you're getting just with how much more comfortable you're feeling with distances and stuff. Well, they definitely forced you to try things that you wouldn't when you're doing yeah. it by yourself. Because yeah, it's definitely yeah. pushing you out of your comfort zone for sure. Yeah. 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 A lot of it felt like it was trying to do that. So, um, yeah, I think it was, uh, I think it was super interesting. Um, I think there was a lot of, there's a lot of really practical info, like general, like airbrush maintenance and stuff is all great. Like, like knowing how to clean the airbrush, knowing how to maintain it, and understanding to some degree how it works, um, understanding all the supplies that I needed to have. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Getting the getting the airbrush at a discount was also really sweet, right? Like getting a good airbrush for a decent price and getting everything that I needed for for you know for a discount was didn't help either or didn't didn't hurt either. Um, I found like second day, like I felt pretty comfortable with the airbrush. It was like, you know, uh, I yeah, was the, paying I, my you computer. looked completely different from the first day to yeah. second day. Yeah. 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 I think so too. I mean, like, so yeah. And it was funny because we were doing like, everyone was focusing really heavily on their contemptor, and, and I kind of got sidetracked because I kind of started painting a castle axe at the same time. <laughs> On the second day. I, yeah. Well, because I, I just didn't have an airbrush. So for me, it was like, I'm, I'm excited. And, and my contemptor was like, I don't know, the fact that it wasn't going to be an addition to my army was like, okay, well, I don't, I don't care that much about this thing. It's like, I'm going to do the things that are necessary to learn these techniques to a degree, but I just didn't really have the passion to like sit there and meticulously work away on a call of contemptor when I could be meticulously working away on something that's actually going into an army that I need to finish soon. So, um, it was pretty cool, though, having that sort of uh, perspective because a lot of the things that I was being taught were definitely maybe like in, with shading and stuff were, were not the way that I actually was painting. 
And I think it's interesting just to know the difference between uh, Zeta, what's it called? Zeta? Zenithal and modular. Oh, and Modular, and yeah. yeah. I think that was an interesting thing, just to understand that there are like different, different like lighting styles. Yep. And they're very like defined um, and, and uh, very like tangible in terms of appearance. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a, it was a good experience. Um, since since I've done like like we'll talk about that more. I don't know if we're gonna do another version of hobby progress or whatever. But yeah, why don't we why don't we wait until after everyone's gone around about the course and then we can talk about what we sure. what we've yeah, done yeah, post course. Sure. Um, but yeah, no, for sure. Like I think it's I think that if I if I were to be completely honest with the thing that I think I, I probably took away from the course the most. And, and that I probably wouldn't have gotten on my own nearly as easily is the uh, detail and close-up work with it. Um, I got a Patriot 105, which is, I think, pretty well known for being a really wide-angle uh, brush. But that doesn't mean you can't use it for, for details to some degree. Like, you can definitely get pretty close with it. Mm-hmm. And when you start learning that, that's a pretty powerful tool. Like... Um, yeah, so that was interesting. The other thing that was great was uh, actually getting to use your SOTAR and just learning the difference between the airbrushes and just like, okay, this is very clearly like they're very, very different brushes and you immediately understand that like, oh, this is why I want two brushes because this one is a very different uh, purpose than, than the other one. Yeah. Right so, on. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I liked it a lot. I, I And the other thing I really loved was uh, it was learning how, how good you can make red look just with like subtle color shifts because yeah, I'm, you were super uh, jacked about those red shoulder pads that you did. Yeah. They looked great. And yeah, I was pretty happy with that. Yeah. Sweet man. So Taya, you want to, sure. you want to go next as the, the other extreme and then I'll come in in the middle. So, um, the big thing, like I went in the course because I had been airbrushing for a while. And like the biggest things I took away from it weren't about the maintenance, but it was about, the speed of transitioning colors through maintenance. So when you first start airbrushing, and if you're not taught it properly, you break down your airbrush a lot more than you think you should because mm-hmm. you think you're so worried about it breaking. But just the education that they give you about it's really hard to actually break these things. If it's not working, it you it's not it's, you didn't break it. You just didn't clean it properly. A lot of the time, yeah, unless yeah. you're shoving like pipe cleaners and metal scraping spraying typhus corrosion through that bitch yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so being able to speed up that whole process is what sped up my airbrushing a lot more from base coating into doing things um the other thing is uh, i knew i really wanted to learn the style so i had tried i've done the panel style before Mm -hmm. and it's a really easy style to do but I really wanted to learn the modular a lot more because that is a lot more technical know-how on where your angles are going to be meeting. Yes. And I tried it before on my own, and it just wasn't – just the, the, the tutorials online, they don't really, really don't give you – they tell you, but it's a little hard. So I had a really good experience with Caleb, like literally like taking the model and like doing things on it. But having that him do it – yeah. Talk about as he's doing it was a huge factor in learning how to do modular a lot better. Um, and then obviously, like, the Zenithal I already knew how to do. That wasn't a big thing for me. And even even Caleb was just like, yeah, you know how to do this. Just like, so the whole time, Caleb was 
kind of egging me on to try little different things. Um, uh, and like pushing, so, yeah. <laughs> push it, yeah, well, pushing me, yeah, brighter, brighter. Well, that's the thing <laughs> is, uh, so I knew I knew exactly what he was talking about when he was talking about going brighter. Yeah, because I already done I already done these techniques to do that. Right. So I so I felt kind of bad and I didn't at the same time because I was always done everything so quickly. Yeah, you you're like I'm done. Okay, and he'd be like, "What? You're done already?" Yeah, <laughs> to be and fair, too bad you didn't have more. Turned out awesome too. Like yeah, like your contemptor turned out better than I was expecting that it would. And I don't mean that in any any kind of way. I just mean like it literally was like it looked awesome. The biggest like, thing shit. with my painting is I'm not patient. I know I could well, probably and, paint and a lot like, better it than seemed what like I... having it laid out for you. It seemed like you had the skill with the airbrush in terms of how to control it and stuff, but yeah. it seemed like having it laid out for you, you you were quick with it as hell, but you still pulled off like a really like it was like well, a, that's the thing you know... is I just needed him to just like tell me, and that was just that's what I want. I knew I needed so the ability to like go from teaching yourself things to someone just telling you why it's wrong and why it's right was a massive change for me because that, that's first of all, that's just how I learn. I, yeah. I like critical thought on whatever I'm doing. I, I don't take criticism badly. I take it really positively. And for him to be like, no, no, this is wrong. I'm like, okay, change it. Like there's no issues there. And right. when you're doing it by yourself, you don't know if you're doing it wrong or right. Not because you already know that when you look at a guy at YouTube, he has been doing that for so long. He makes it look easy. He doesn't show you where you're going to screw up. Yeah. Whereas Caleb yeah. told you where you're going to screw up. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the other thing was uh, getting introduced to a lot more options for uh, airbrush colors. So Payne's gray, obviously. Payne's gray, man. Payne's gray. Everyone... So, those, so those paints, uh, I've, I've, I've got to go pick up the uh, other two that I need. But, um, what other two do you, do I need? I need Payne's gray and the blue. Which the – okay, the, the green blue? Yeah, yeah. Because I already for... I have the brown and I have the purple. Okay, cool. So the um, yeah. So the education from that uh, learning. Yeah, about all those products. are inks, basically. Exactly. Of, yeah, and that was a very different. Like I didn't. I I'd use inks somewhat in my uh, airbrushing, but not not to that kind of extent. Not in like how you're how he was like layering it and stuff like that. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool to learn that. Um, uh, it made me really excited to do the 102 class. I'm I'm going to sign up for that. There's no doubt about it because, yep. like, I was talking to Caleb about it, and he even said he's just like, "You'll probably get a, you'll learn a lot more from that class." Like he could tell that I was, like, a cat came by and me and Greg were sitting there, and she's like, "You guys are taking this really seriously," and that made me laugh. Yeah. Because the whole time, me and Greg are just fucking bullshitting <laughs> and just making jokes the entire goddamn time, but. It was funny because Greg would ask a question that I knew how to solve. Yeah. So um, Greg is a much more patient painter than mine, obviously, because he's, he's, he's just a generally better painter than me. So his, his dreadnought came out awesome. But a lot of times he would come over and ask me, he's like, well, how did you do this? And I'd tell him, but he would just do it that he's little bit more. Exacting. He's very exact. very exact. Compared to mine, it's a little bit more broad. And I'm fine with that. I don't, um, I don't, I don't fret over how my armies look. Too, too much i always try to learn something new in every armory i do yeah technique or something like yeah. that yeah um so uh to be able to learn like the modular um 
get a little better better escape on the panel and then the other one which was like the uh, more it was like where the light source one oh object source oh. Light. object source like yeah because i was I, that I was, was i forgot to mention that that was the biggest yeah. takeaway for me yeah it was like i i literally cornered caleb we were drinking beers and i like cornered him and i was like so you're gonna teach us how to do glow effects was it? Was it, creepy, that? was it in a creepy yeah. voice like that as well? <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, yeah, you could ask him. I, yeah, <laughs> we will. <laughs> oh yeah. But uh, so be able to teach us that, and then, and then because I was doing the uh, weathering, he told me like here's some cooler techniques to show me. And he showed me how to do bullet holes. Sweet. I don't. I don't know if you looked, but in the pictures, the bullet holes that I painted look like they have depth. No, I didn't, I didn't notice it. that. Yeah, if you look at the picture on the thing, like any of the pictures, it looks like there's depth to the bullet hole. But the thing is, is I never painted any bullet holes. I, I didn't drill or move. It was just painted yeah. on. And so he showed me a little bit more weathering techniques, which I really liked. And then, obviously, that barrel, how to do that barrel, the weathered yeah. barrel. Oh, that was just so easy and so awesome looking. But yeah, no, just the hands-on experience, and obviously Cat and Caleb were awesome. Like I remember on day two, Cat was just like, "You, you look like you should be living in California." <laughs> I was like, what? With your well, you were like dressed up for day two in a college well, shirt like and a bow tie. I yeah. know, but to be fair, she is from California, so and that's what she, she said. Yeah, and the other thing is so funny that they both fell in love with Victoria, like. How fast was it till well, you booked the letter from California? Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Well, that but was yeah. a spoiler. Yeah, no, not no. not not to the people in the class, but um, yeah, we we have already secured them coming back for a one hundred and two next uh, next July. So uh, details are already up on CK Studio class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they you know. Um, it, we had a, a total of 27 students. It was their biggest class that they've ever done. There is nine people on the wait list. One of them um, up. actually got to show up because one person dropped. And our, our friend, a guy that we know in, in the scene, Paul, was able to, uh, you know, got. I think he got a text at, what, 10 o'clock at night? Yeah. And just was there at, you know, 8.30 the next day yeah. ready to paint, which was awesome. But they, you know, nine people on the wait list, a bunch of people from Vancouver wanting them to come out. So, yeah, we met more heresy bros and we met more heresy bros from Vancouver and from Seattle. So, yeah, it's definitely it's what I love about these things is, you know, just grows the community. I love how already ingrained Greg is to the the bot GT society. Yeah, (laughs) he like just. Yeah. I just want to He's adopt him and keep him. Mm-hmm. If if only we had like a a gamer hall, like a clubhouse, and we could just like build a room for Greg. And <laughs> I guess it would have to be big enough for his whole family to move up here I as guess. well. But <laughs> I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, can't wait to, for him to come back for uh, the Royal Flush in September. Oh yeah, he's pumped. And yeah, yeah. we met we met uh, yeah Mark and those two other guys, and they live pretty close. And... They're thinking about coming up for some heresy events now too. Yep, and oh, it was love. 
Spreading the love. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So you, you, you were like car salesmaning the shit out of you were like, this baby's got so much heresy, slaps the hood thing. Like oh. some of those guys <laughs> at that party, you're just like, yeah, there's black what, box. That's what I'm supposed baby. to do, bro. Yep. <laughs> It's pretty funny. He's the mouthpiece of this podcast. <laughs> the mouthpiece? <laughs> yes. John's um, the body. I'm the mouthpiece? Yeah. <laughs> and the cackle. I don't know what I am. You're the brain. The, 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 I'm the, the brain. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, as long as I'm not the chode. <laughs> <laughs> Eric's the chode. <laughs> no, not Eric. It's because he takes all the shit and, and gives us beautiful things. That means he needs a. He's the hands. He's, he's the, the hands. hands. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So who? Julie. Julian. Julian's the show. Yeah. Well, for for me, from my perspective, like, um, you know, I had done the course before, um, but as I said before on the podcast, like my biggest downfall was that I didn't follow through after the course. And it wasn't until like a month after the course that I was able to pick up the paint, the airbrush and actually start painting again. So I lost a lot of not as much the 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 skill of but just the techniques like, you know, I just forgot some of them. So, um, you know, just doing I've, for me, like as a person that hasn't done tons of airbrushing since, like I have airbrushed a lot of. Uh, the terrain, you know, in the lead up to the the last event um, was done a lot with that. And so, I, I, you know, I've taken I've been basically doing base coats, which I think a lot of people do for their first when they first get a, an airbrush. That's kind of what they stick to and then grow from there. So doing the course again, you know, it, it was perfect for me. Um, it was perfect that I'm like in the midst of starting um, this Alpha Legion army. Perfect slash terrible because Caleb showed me a completely different way of painting Alpha Legion and now, now, you're stuck in the and now I, I don't know what I'm going to do <laughs> if I keep this non-metallic, non um, Tamiya scheme or go back to the Tamiya I don't know, I, I need to do a test of just a regular troop to see what I do, but I really got a lot out of, out of the event, I think just I think just for me as well, having you know, being able to dedicate 10 hours for two days in a row to sit down and actually, you know, learn those skills again is awesome for me. Cause that's, I, I have a, the one, I would say the one thing that's still a challenge for me until I get an actual dedicated room for painting that I can leave all this stuff set up is that the setup of my like little, you know, airbrush station takes a while it's just a little bit more to dive into than than painting so um you know that's why i think i wasn't using it as much but now i feel a lot more confident of just airbrushing inside you know not over spraying and all that kind of stuff so i'm it was awesome like just being able to chat with caleb about paint recipe you know it, as with a person that really knows color uh, very well and how to offset certain colors. Like I was able to sit down with him and talk about how I'm going to do my bases for the Alpha Legion, which we were talking about doing like some marble. So Teo, I'm going to one weekend we're going to have to chat about because you're the marble that you did on your Goleman was 
looked really good. So I want to maybe do I'm something. I'm going to be doing similar. that on my Phoenix Terminators. Ooh, so we so could have matching be, bases. Yeah, so the Phoenix Terminators are all going to be marble other than the gold filigree. Cool. So they're not going to be like the purple like the rest of the army. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. A little different. <laughs> so, you know, for me, um, I think just the repetition of, of going over those things as well, they kind of changed a little bit of the structure of the class, like especially day one. Um, we actually held off from my Seattle class. We held off more in Victoria. We didn't really get into the actually using the airbrushes until after lunch, which we got into it more in Seattle. But I think that maybe worked out well, just going over the, the theory. And to me, like light theory and all that kind of stuff, I actually find very interesting and helps me think about how to paint like you should be thinking once you get to a certain level of painting you should be thinking about light like you're not going to upgrade your your paint skills until you start thinking that and adding more depth and stuff like that and so i just, think that's why you should do the non-metallic scheme the non that's where scheme. you're that's where you're leaning and john because you want the, the reason john is wants you just me to go the other way skills for lighting and not to mention because you, you won't get to use those same skills, the same effect with the Tamiya paints. No, I know. I know that. I, I always look at this stuff as a very um, as much about practicality as it is about how, look, how good it looks. So if I look at that metallic scheme, I think that the metallic scheme looks amazing. I also think that the metallic scheme is recreatable, and it's not going to make it so overwhelming to paint your army. When I look at that one, the one that you learned in the class, I just... It just seems like it's only six steps. It's only six. Yeah, steps. for sure. But you have to learn those very specific lighting techniques for every model. That would be my only concern. And there's no way you get that done with a flush either. There's like well, I don't think that's gonna happen. I think right now it's I'm just gonna be working on terrain. To be completely honest with you, so uh, we'll we'll sure. see what happens. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do a test model. But it does look do awesome. Like, do I, a, think, I think both ways look awesome. Both ways look great. I think I'm going to do a test model of like a Terminator in the non-metallic way and see how it is. Because that's the bulk. Like I, I don't have any issues trying to paint all the drop pods the way that I did in the course. I think that will like, it, yes, it will take a while to figure it out for the first one, but then it will flow. Um, so, And that's the thing I'm, is that the new technique, as soon as you get one, you've got all. So if you figured out how to do one Space Marine... You know how to do all your space marines. That's yeah. why Eric was so smart to do that. What he did is he actually took a marine and he effectively recreated the the, the design yeah. on the marine. I thought that was the smartest fucking thing. Yeah, he. I heard him say that on on uh, on the on the Saturday at the end of the day. I'm like, that's a really good idea. I should do that. And it too. looked and good. I had it too many really beers good. on Saturday night. <laughs> so, uh, um, but yeah, like I think uh, other than putting me in that predicament, you know, it was great. Um, Having we on Saturday night, we had a couple people over, including Cat and Caleb, over to my house for a little taco party, and um, you know it was awesome just to kick back and hang with people there, and Sounds also so just meeting a whole bunch of people um, at the the course as well, like just expanding, getting the word out. So um, you know, Cat and Caleb loved it so much that they're coming back, and hopefully we can convince them to stay like an extra day so we can. Take them. them, yeah. Well, or like, show them the West Coast a little bit. Like, yeah. I don't know, take them out to the coast and 
uh, yeah, I don't know. Go to go to some lakes, go for a float or something like that. So we'll try. We'll see what happens. I know they're busy, wanted people. So they are uh, wanted. They are wanted by many a painter out there. So yeah, it, you know, just all in all, it, it was. I think all of us had a great time. Obviously, any time where the three of us actually get together is usually a good time. So, um, and uh, yeah, so why don't we talk about what we've done since? I know you, I'm going to stick to, let's stick to this order because I'll go last with the littlest amount. But John, you've been on a tear since. So what's, what's been going on? Um, well, so I pretty much came home right away and I airbrushed a dreadnought drop pod. And the Dreadnought Drop Hop was already started. It's not finished by any means, but it, it's it's pretty much tabletop now. Um, it's got I more put depth it on, to it. It's got more depth. It's way cleaner. I also did this sweet-ass effect on the bottom where I like airbrushed it with black, so it looks like it's been coming in from atmosphere. And I've got weathering powders I'm going to use as well to uh, to make that even more pronounced. So the bottom the bottom of it looks all burnt and like it's been it's entered atmosphere a couple times. Um, I don't know if you can see that. No, you're frozen right now. Okay. But, uh, all right, there we go. All right, I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, I am frozen. But, yeah, anyway, so, yeah, that. And then um, during the class, I did a Thanatar. And no, I you did a, a, cast, a Castellax. Sorry, right a, ca- a Castellax, rather. Did it to pretty much completion. I just had to take it home, do the base and uh, the weathering and stuff. And then... Uh, <laughs> I was sitting there looking at my next Castellax. I was like, I don't really feel that inspired to do my last Castellax right now. And then I like looked over at my Thanatar. Oh, that was the other thing. So at the end of the class, I brought in my Thanatar's like plasma mortars because I was so obsessed with getting the idea of like learning how to do glow effects. Um, I'll, I, I can put a, or maybe I already have. I don't you know. You already have. have <laughs> yeah, okay. But uh, yeah, so just just to get the plasma glow right. And so I, I kind of kept rolling with that and painted up the Thanatar and basically a night and a half uh, airbrushed all of it. Um, had it all done. I took a picture of it. I sent it to you, AJ and I, and, and you were sort of like, oh, it doesn't look as shaded as the other stuff. And I kind of looked at it and I was like, yeah, I think you're right actually. Cause I, I already was kind of feeling it was a little too light colored. So I went back um, and actually, kind of took some of the techniques that I'd learned and uh, reshaded into some of the more darker areas. And I, and I also did a glaze on it, like a, um, a really light uh, ink washing in a lot of the recesses. And I think it improved it a lot. I think it looks awesome now. Yeah, man. So, yeah. You, didn't you, you have that done that night, didn't you? The Thanny or was that the next day? It was the next day. Okay, yeah. It took, me about, like, it took me about a day and a half to finish it to completion. I was just like, you son of a bitch. You're sending me all these messages. Just like, finish the Anatar like the next <laughs> day. Like, Jesus, man. <laughs> on a tear. Yeah. When I get into like certain models, man, like I don't I don't get into tears often, but when I do, I do. And, and like, I'm not like Teo. I don't quite get that much stuff done, but I will take bigger big robot models and paint them to a pretty good degree pretty quickly. Like I'll put a lot of detail on them and paint them in like a day. Um, but yeah, so I'm super happy with that. That is like turned out great. I think, uh, for my standards, it's funny because I have pictures of what I was shooting to make my mechanical look like. 
that I was sort of basing the scheme off of. And when I started the whole uh, Xana sort of like Malinax based bone scheme, I looked up like Xana or Tagmata Scoria or House Malinax, like Thanatars and stuff like that. I actually saved a bunch of pictures on my phone because I, I was just trying to come up with a color scheme, see what would work, you know, stuff like that. And so I had this sort of quality bar in my mind of what this stuff was going to look like. And I had always been under the understanding that white is extremely hard to paint. And even though this is an off-white, I expected it would be super difficult. So looking at those pictures now and then looking at the models that I've done, and I'm like, dude, my stuff looks so much better than what I'd actually <laughs> shot for. Like, like my, yeah, I look at my Thanatar compared to like the one white that I was... sucks until you have an airbrush. <laughs> Well, even before the airbrush, though, like even my brass scorpion turned out pretty good. I think yeah, I was I think just lucky. Looked, and yeah, like, but your brass really scorpion good. took you ten times longer. Yeah, it did take a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. So, uh, and then uh, I did some airbrushing on a dreadclaw. I kind of, I kind of <laughs> burned out on it a little bit because I need to get back on my mechanicum. But I got some of the reds on my dreadclaw because I wanted to test it out, see how it looked. Uh, I got a base coat on a land raider, and then I got a two base coats like the uh, the dark and then the lighter base coat onto my land raider Achilles. so it's kind of kind of greened up uh i did a bunch of base coating on you know like the rest of the stuff for the flush uh, i had a couple more uh myrmidons to base coat and some uh tectorols uh, and some bases and stuff like that but then the big one is that uh, not yesterday but the day before i think it was i started my night porphyrion and this thing is pretty crazy. I'm definitely very happy with it. Um, the the there I could not have done this without the airbrush. The way that it the way that I've done it. Um, you guys haven't seen it in person, but I think you'll be pretty pretty impressed with the actual lighting on it because Sweet, doing the, like just getting in and like actually like getting the highlight panels and stuff. Well, I don't know um, if it was the light. It was better when you were sending me the the pictures of the panels of that. Like they, it yeah. definitely l- was looking a lot more shaded, or like just had more depth than um, the like definitely the original Thanatar pictures that you were sending me. It's just like, all right, yeah, here yeah. we go. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of it was the lighting. And I'm trying to. I don't have good lighting in my house, so as I take the pictures, it's like if they're overexposed, it tends to look bad. If they're underexposed, it tends to look bad. So trying to find points in the house where i can get good pictures um but yeah so did that uh the the porphyrion like i've been fucking working on this thing every day for multiple hours this is a big project um i basically went ahead and i was like oh i'm just gonna start doing the skeleton and i I sprayed out the skeleton and uh kind of started taking the parts out of the bag and started started sort of started like cleaning out the parts Realized there was a bunch of things I could still attach to the skeleton and like continue working on it. Did all that. Took me a few hours just to pick out all the metallics, do the couple coats, hit it with a um, hit it with an ink or a, a non-oil gloss, and then um, go back over it with a dry brush. And then uh, I just started painting the panels randomly, and now I've gone from it's this thing is looking. I think about 75% done. I, as I've been sitting here, I just painted the it's head. It's surprising how fast knights get painted. Like, they're so big. But the, the fact that you can, like, split them into sections the way that you can is huge, it's right? Huge, like, that's yeah. like the fact that you can just paint the freaking skeleton separately from the panels. 
but well and the and the base the base frame too is like pretty basic right you can get away with like painting it like you did you're using that black metallic right like just throwing a airbrush on top of that or not sorry a dry brush on top of that add some more depth you're yeah so you could do i did mine what did i do with mine i did black metallic airbrush then i went back over it with the uh lead belcher airbrush then i went back over it with uh null oil gloss airbrush also i did the the bronze colors but that doesn't matter and then i went back over it and i highlighted it with the vallejo chainmail. so it, it has a it has a fair bit of depth to it which is nice Sweet. but nice it's still too. a fairly dark um yeah so yeah now i'm looking at it it's it's about 75 percent done the panels the only thing i really have left to do for the panels is the the very top carapace i just finished the head uh the the toes on the left leg and then just the guns and stuff i need to like actually do some of the glow effects like it's getting really close but i've gone out on from from my standards i've gone all out on this fucking thing man like it looks so good, and I last night I got this arts and crafts thing where I was like, you know, it'd be awesome. Is you know, like a lot of people don't put those banners on their nights, like the banners that you can hang the <laughs> hang the little like, yeah, yeah, like the nut banners. So <laughs> not only did I magnetize mine on, and I have the Malinax sheet, so like you just have to do the banners if you're gonna do Malinax because they, they look sick. They have like scorpions and shit all over them. But I got like this awesome idea. My girlfriend has this uh, little bead kit that she has, and one of the things that she has in the bead kit what, are these tiny little chains. Not those kind of beads. <laughs> craft beads, at least in this kit. But uh, so. Uh, I was looking through it and I, and I realized that they have these little tiny chains. I noticed it a couple of months ago. I was like, oh, I could put those to good use. And I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, man, you know what would be awesome on the night is if I gave it gun banners too. And I looked on the Malinax sheet and I realized, oh, shit, they've got smaller banners. They have like, because I didn't want to waste any more of the big ones because I yeah. would have more nights. But like, they have these little mini banners. I was like, dude, this is awesome. So I took a, an old crappy card that I didn't need anymore cut it into the shape of a banner, uh, drilled two holes in it, attached a chain to it, attached a frame to that chain, and now each gun has like a Malinax banner hanging off of it too. So I've gone pretty all out on this little this little night here, which is not so Well, cool. it's not so little, but... No. Yeah. It's kind of crazy too when it's built. It's like, dude, it's, it's by far the biggest model I own by a significant margin. <laughs> it's pretty huge. Um... But yeah, so that that is my hobby progress. I can honestly say I'm very happy having an airbrush now, and it's changed a lot about my painting game. Yay! Yay! Yay. What about you? So I did talk about it in hobby progress that I got all my tanks painted. That's true, yes. But to give perspective of what that actually means is this. Uh, I painted three Predator Destructors, two Land Raiders, a Spartan... A Sakara, two Sakara Inventors, and a Rhino. That's an obscene amount. Done? <laughs> uh, about 80% done. I'll show you. Uh, here's if you can see it. Oh, wait for the zoom. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. So, like, I just got to finish, like, the edge highlighting and stuff on everything else. Yeah, those are definitely 80%. Yeah, yeah. Wicked, man. Um, obviously, there's more detail, but they're definitely, like, good tabletop. Um, so, they're all about that. All about that done, and then I even started the infantry because, like, when I was doing this game, it's a very my Empress children are a very light purple. They're a lavender. Yeah, they are a lavender. That's a perfect way to describe yeah, them. Lavender. 
Um, so like my highlighting is like super paint, like super light. Question. Yes. Do they smell like lavender? I have debating on rubbing tea bags on them. Tea, tea bags. <laughs> Just in the fluff, you can say yes. Yeah. <laughs> their ships smell like lavender. <laughs> they they anoint their armor with lavender oil. Lavender everywhere. oil. Yes. I th- I did think about putting like a uh, like a lavender air freshener inside the Spartan. That sounds like a great idea. That's yeah. so that's so so narrative. Yeah, you you forge that narrative hard. As the army walked onto the battlefield, I could not have the distinct smell of burnt ash, bullets, and lavender. Yes, lavender and cordite they mix so well together. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, those. And then I started like I said, I started on my infantry just. Doing the initial highlights, just like Eric did with the his, so they'll be done getting the base coats down. Yeah, because they're already base coated. Like they've already got the dark blues up to the purple lavender. Okay, so you, yep. And now I'm just doing like the uh, the extra level of highlighting, and then taking it down with like a purple wash. To cool. It all together. So that's what I'm doing now for all the infantry. Um, I've built so with the new errata, with the uh, champion being able to take a paragon blade. Yeah. I started building one. Emperor's children, oh, players dude, everywhere rejoice. So, it's going to be so dirty. Yeah. So We dirty. haven't talked about the FAQ, eh? We should probably have a little bit of a talk about that. We okay. are. We're going to, in the Bocce T update, we'll, we'll okay. have a quick quick chat about that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I got a lot of tanks done. So, I'm excited in the Pohabi. I'm going to be done hopefully pretty quick on all of them. Um, I still have a Leviathan to finish, and I don't even know if I'm going to try to get it done. Because I don't want to use in Z- ZM, I don't know if I want to use in Centurion, and it's not in my standard list, so it's not super important right now. You can bring three lists, though. Or are you just going to bring one of each? I, I just just for transportation's sake. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, I've been using, and then I just so I'm going to do all of my veterans as the marble. So I have a the Phoenix Terminators are going to be uh, the marble. I'm going to paint them up, so I'm pretty yeah. excited to do that, which is going to look so good. Do you have like a video or a sample uh, that you could send me of how you're doing them? Uh, yeah, I could take a video of it. I literally was just when I painted Rebutes, I was just looking at slabs of marble. Sweet. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I just looked at a slab of marble, and like you know, when you look at a piece of marble, you see the the depth of the granite and everything that's in it. Yeah. So that's kind of how I painted it, which is like if you look at like a piece of marble on its side, you can see every single layer. So I literally just painted, painted the the layer, and then painted the little markings in there, and then yep. a light layer over top of white, and then same right. thing over and over and over until almost pure white on the top. Okay, cool. Yeah, and that's how Sweet. I did the marble. So I'm gonna be doing that for the Phoenix Terminators as well. Great. Sweet man. Well, yeah. that's that's a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> Considering yeah. that your army, your three thousand point army, is mostly tanks for yeah, yeah. for the flush, you've got a hell of a lot done. Yeah, exactly. You're not gonna be wearing no dress for uh, the, at the end of this shame segment. No. I could, could if I wanted to. Well, you yes, and you you'd look beautiful, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, um, I haven't got too much done. I was able to. I've actually started to. Um, I played around with some ammo crates, like those little ammo crates that um, comes with the shipping containers from GW. So I was painting those just to like try the different lighting effects and stuff like that. Um, 
you know, they're not amazing because I was just trying to mess around, but uh, good enough to throw on a table for some scatter train. And um, other than that, I've been just trying to find colors for terrain. So I, I just haven't had really time to hop into the airbrush too much, but um, this weekend um, we will be on the uh, the podcasters telethon. So John and I are definitely going to be sitting around rocking airbrushes, doing a whole bunch of stuff there. Yep. So a whole bunch of progress there, um, hopefully this weekend. But And I'm going to try to do an infantry that's going to be kind of like a goal for by the next time that we record, that I'd at least try the non-metallic scheme out on an infantry. And I'd like to finish the Dreadnought. So I, I, I guess I didn't get into this in, when we were actually talking about it, but I painted the alpha legion legion specific uh dreadnought and as well as the leviathan and they both turned out really well but i wasn't able to finish them like i still there's so much bloody silver on that <laughs> legion specific dreadnought it's just like i once we got to painting that the details i fell behind super quickly and got none of it done on the <laughs> on the um, it was Leviathan, so yeah, I got to uh, I got to finish that stuff off. But um, but yeah, it, sitting next to you, and you were just like at the end, you were just like so much I, fucking silver. I hate bugs. this silver. <laughs> like, yeah, I was pretty disgruntled because the way that we were doing the silver was putting um, a purple ink into the recesses, and then uh, some of that sweet sweet Payne's gray into the deeper recesses, and and then going back over with a silver to add lots of depth. So, but I didn't get there. I just got to the point of inking my silver as purple. So the pictures online of my dreadnought look, in my opinion, kind of derpy because <laughs> it's like, what the heck is with this purple silver? Like that's not Alpha Legion, but it soon will be. So, um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot um, on that front. But w the other thing I did while I was painting these. Um, ammo crates is like just going through some of the colors like trying to find ones that i was going to do the risa um terrain in and so i'm like thinking of like almost like a martian orangey red for them as like a base color and do some browns and the shades and stuff like that um so just going through my paints my minotaur paints and then like spraying the tops of the paints pot so i can actually quickly find them because i just have so many paints and yeah. right now i'm just getting lost in trying to find paint and it's taking up so much bloody time so i'm trying to slowly go through my paints and paint on top of them to solve that issue but yeah i don't know it's you know a year out we got cat and caleb coming back again uh we're gonna do it at the legion and you know i can't wait for it to happen i wish it was happening like next month my wallet doesn't but i i wish it was <laughs> so i think all three of us will definitely be taking that 102 course and um yeah i'm trying i've, I've I'm i just trying pull to... my truck down for the 102 course sorry yeah totally well <laughs> you'd have to we'd have to set you up somewhere else because the the lead i don't think the legion would be cool with you parking in their parking lot but we'll we'll see we'll talk to ann <laughs> okay yeah um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Other than that, I think uh, just an amazing weekend and 
what more can we say other than go and do a CK studio class? It'll like change your hobby life. <laughs> it's true. It will. Yeah. So yeah. huge. And, and get an airbrush in general. It will change your hobby life. If you're someone who is like a moderate, moderately good painter, who's been thinking about getting an airbrush and you want it to speed along certain processes and, and then pull off certain effects. I can tell you like it is 100% worth it. Go get yourself a Patriot or whatever. Like they're, they're a great thing to have. Yeah. It, I've, uh, I completely agree. I, it, you know, if you can get yourself one-on-one training, like you can at CK studios, go and do it. Um, other than that, you know, I guess you can dive in. I was so scared of diving in. That's what kept me from getting an airbrush for so long. So having the one That's what I think keeps a lot of people away from it. That's yeah. the thing. Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's a costly expense to just jump into. And you can it is very it. costly. Yeah. If you don't know what you're doing. So go to a CK studio class. Go to a call to paint class. Get yourself. Get, elevate your hobby game. Yes. All right. Well, get we'll, better uh, immersion, bro. Yeah, so I think we're going to kick it over yeah. to pre, uh, past Teo and AJ to have a little chat with our our good friend of the show, Mr. David Coleman. Powerful. Coleman. He's very powerful. powerful. His David terrain Coleman. game is powerful. His, 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 his night game is powerful. His night game is off the hook. Yeah, he was telling me I had like 53 nights or something. Uh, yeah, right nights. right when we talked to him, it was 40 on his table. Yeah. So I'm like, it's a long table. He anyway. buys nights like people buy Terminators. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, we'll be back. And we're back. I'm hoping you enjoyed listening to David talk about his beautifully narrative event. And his in-depth description of what is happening. And his, like, affair with 40 Nights. <laughs> love affair. He, I, I bet you he sets them up before he has sex. <laughs> to, to watch him? Yeah, to watch him. <laughs> I so hope, if sex I, if I had 40 Nights, that's exactly what I would do. <laughs> I would LED light all of their heads, and that's how I would light my room. <laughs> Oh, getting in the mood with Teo. Yeah, getting in the mood. Well, speaking of getting in the mood, I'm in the mood for the Royal Flush update. So, oh, yeah. uh, we only have one spot left. One spot. So, who's going to be the lucky girl that's going to grab that last spot? Dudes looking for dudes. If you're a dude looking for 29 other dudes, sign yeah. up right now. Yeah. You. We got some hot meat for you. Even if you're a dude who's not looking to play and you're 30K curious and you're a cool kind of guy. Maybe. We probably have armies you could borrow. Yeah, we probably have, we do or have armies. Or you come just hang out and see what it's all about and see what the love is, love is you about. You jump into the Heresy Bukake. That's a bit graphic. So, um, what is the Royal Flush? It is our event, our first official big two-day event run by the Botch GT, 53rd Annual Royal Flush, happening in Victoria, B.C. at the Legion on Gorge Road, September 8th and 9th, 30-person uh, event. We are going to have a full narrative uh, thing going on. <laughs> I should be being more descriptive considering I just writ, 
wrote it all this week. Very You're all burnt out on being disruptive. I'm burnt out on the narrative already. No, that's not true. I want more. Um, uh, so, eat that spatula. Yes, exactly. I should work that into some dark agent that just goes along and spreads his tralalas. Um, <laughs> Alpha Legion agent. Yes. So a full narrative event. Uh, we're going to have a bar going on. We are going to have a flea market. We have a social event happening that night um, at the Canoe Club. So just a whole bunch of, you know, after you've had three righteous games with a whole bunch of dudes why don't you just go and grab some good food and beers with said dudes sounds like a plan uh, <laughs> we've got amazing sponsorship for this event we've got uh war games uh tournament we just got um a whole bunch of prize support from dragon forge a whole bunch of lovely bases that we we're gonna give out i'm super stoked for that thanks again to jeff for helping us out uh we've got cromlech they're helping support our best painted um prize we've got the taking of Ferex and invested painting our powerful david Komen. boy is he he is helping us out not only has he sent us some stuff already we we just uh we had a little secret talk he's, and there's he's some gonna, he's gonna he's there's gonna, gonna be an announcement away. yeah there's gonna be a, a very cool announcement in very a few cool a few days next week mm. or so so we also have secret weapon miniatures we've got everything games we have rain city hobbies we've got the 30k channel we've got tagged events everyone's helping out with this event it's going to be awesome we've got seven people bring, bringing tables helping us out with the citizen soldiers uh, and they're eligible for a special a couple special prizes and uh yeah what can i say you know just getting getting jack for it we're gonna have an audio um update coming out soon which we are gonna go in depth uh to all the you know all the different progression charts that we're gonna be using and um you know get those dreadnoughts into your list key factor mm-hmm. i know so I just, uh, start playing list to include aj into my army oh really yeah yeah the otter yeah the otter is gonna be running down fisting people Awesome. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, uh, get that last ticket. Can't wait to, to see everyone uh, at the event. And uh, it can't come sooner, though I do need to get some stuff painted. So uh, I do need time. But I want it to be here. I'm so conflicted. Anyway, that is the, the Bot GT update. I think we're only going to have, like, a couple more of these until the main event. It's going to be just sold out, and then we're not going to be able to talk about anything other than it's like, it's here. It's wicked. It's, I can't it's here. It's finally. It's going to be like Christmas for heresy. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait for but Christmas. But I've been thinking about it. I thought we were going to have a little bit more time in the Legion, but if we're selling out this event, the next event, if you want to go bigger, we need a bigger venue, don't we? Well, we can get a bigger. We can expand slightly oh. at the Legion. Oh. We can. There's another room that we can open up into but which we will looks like we probably will have to do for the next one yeah, so, yeah. cool well uh let's uh take a quick break and come back to close out the show wop, 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 wop.
And we're back. Hopefully, you guys got a little bit more about this whole episode. I think it's going to be a really good one after to edit it. I think it's going to be tasty, tasty. It's, wait, sorry. It's going to be like this. Uh, it's going to be that tasty. Uh, I just want to <laughs> say, um, deep in the night, I am looking for some love in heresy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's over to me now. So, <laughs> let's land this pig. Um, land so this big, pig. big thank you to both Cat and Caleb of CK Studios for coming up and you know putting on such a, a great weekend. I can't wait for 2019 and the the 102 class. It's going to be awesome. So big thanks to them. Um, big thanks for to Mr. David Komen for coming on, uh, taking a Furex Act Two. Uh, when this drops, you'll probably have like a day or two to maybe get a ticket. So uh, tickets still available for that. Um, you can also check out David's amazing T-shirt shop, uh, searching for Taking a Ferex on uh, Teespring. Some amazing shirts. Like every time he drops one, dope. I'm just like, God damn it, you're gonna killing me here. <laughs> so many cool I don't ones. Think I've uh, you can also do them all before. What? Yeah, I'm crazy. I'm going right now. Just um, calm your dicks. Also, you can also check out David's uh, commissioning service at Invested Painting. Um, we also have a dudes looking for dudes request. So our buddy Ironwares Eric contacted me, and we've got um, Darnell, who's in Canlots. And he is looking for some other dudes who play heresy in the Okanagan area kind of thing. So if uh, if there is anyone listening to us from that area, I guess we can actually just go and check our stats, couldn't we? We could. But if you are in that area, why don't you shoot us a message and we can put you in touch with Darnell and uh, get y- your community growing up there. And if there are Canloops players, you should be coming down to one of our events. So... Uh, Darnell, next time you're coming down, let's make it happen. Get painting. Uh, we've also got the the fight uh, against DMD, aka the Titan Raffle. So that's going on by our boys at the Varangian Heresy, uh, which is also having a DMD telethon this weekend. So July 28th, starting at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Um, the boys of the golden or sorry, that's when the whole telethon starts. There's going to be a bunch of different podcasts and remembrance. Remembrancers or Treat, Ire of Horus, um, Greg of the Imperial Truth fame. Um, who else is going to be on there? whole bunch of people. Chris Pretty of the Forgotten Legion. Uh, we're going to be on there starting at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So uh, come listen to it. It's going to be t- going like, I think, almost 24 hours or like a very long time. We're trying to raise money for Freddy's um charity against dmd um so there's gonna be lots of prizes the boys of the golden throne got some prizes to get vote uh so yeah help support a good cause and i'm so sure it's just gonna be ludicrous like john you and i by the time it, it starts at five we're starting at five we're gonna be deep into drinks already like that's just well, I'll, I'll get off work and just like slam a bunch and then join you sweet awesome <laughs> i can't wait um oh, and then yeah. We also have Kippers 2018. Tickets are on sale now. Um, it is October 27th and 28th, and it's going to be um, a Zone Mortalis 30K event. So uh, they've just got a whole bunch of Jen and uh, Todd just got a whole bunch of 
ZM boards. They're getting those all whipped up. And um, I think we're going to have Jen on in the next little bit to talk about the Kippers event and what's going on with their 30K event. So stay tuned for that. And as for us, uh, you can check us out on Facebook. You can check us out on Instagram at the BotGT 30K and uh, or just BotGT 30K. And um, also, uh, yeah, the Royal Flush, last ticket, come get it. So that is it for me. And uh, boys, you got anything else before we land this pig? Hugs and kisses. Uh, Hugs we'll do and F- kisses. We'll do FAQ next episode. Sorry? We'll do FAQ next episode, I guess. Oh, shoot. We did forget about the FAQ. It's all FAQ. good. We should, yeah. we should just study. If any heresy player it. has not seen it, just look it up. We're yeah, we're sure. using we should, it. We should, get, we, should get our we should get our thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's one thing we should mention too. Actually, um, I made an announcement on the on the Facebook page for the event, but uh, I think uh, our own personal brand of FAQ is is going to be dropped because it's we have to see how this stuff plays in the wild before we uh, FAQ it again. Make sweet. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think we're going to continue using the Varangian Heresy FAQ and. Um, where it's applicable, I think that makes sense because there's still mainline rule uh, switches that, that I think we like in that. But um, yeah, just just to sort of get that out there because it's a pretty big big thing, I think. So for Custode and uh, Thousand Sun players. All right. Well, peace, love, and chicken grease. Yes, sir. All right. Well, we will come back and we'll yeah we'll do some thoughts about the FAQ and. I'll leave that mostly to you guys as I sit back and whistle away. No. <laughs> um, cool. Well, we will uh, we will be until the next time. Hugs and kisses. Hugs and kisses. Peace.